This is a real person's body that you're doing this to. And I think the thing that makes it even more um, eerie and, and, and a little bit difficult to do as not only an actress but as a person is that this really happened. But I remember saying, you know, I'm sorry if you get hurt. I'm sorry if this is uncomfortable or bad for you. But this has to be real. I was not out to glorify or sensationalize. You know, this was a horrible, horrible thing. There's no justice at all in God's green world, you know, why these people should have suffered this home invasion and then be crippled and then murdered. It's, it's horrible and it's terrifying and if you lose focus of that, well then you've lost focus of why we talk about Charles Manson. This show will pollute listeners' ears with foul language, occasional sexually explicit content, and more irony than is allowed for single episodes. several years, distributors of obscenity have expanded into new areas, employing new technologies and reaching new audiences. Neither our Constitution, our courts, our people, nor our respect for common decency and human suffering will allow this trafficking in obscene material. Cinema PsyOps. Which exploits women and men alike to continue. Sharing filth-laden desires on mic to warp the brains of listeners until they are all demented deviants. Federal laws are being violated, and thus I am committed to redoubling the federal effort to ensure that those criminal elements who are trafficking in obscenity are pursued with a vengeance and prosecuted to the hill. The fact that society is becoming much more open now, uh, less repressed, and I think there's less need for... Cinema PsyOps. Without dignity, they shout into the void in a vain attempt to be loved. Living in this culture now where there's just icebergs of filth floating through every house on Wi-Fi, it's inconceivable what it must be like to be a young adolescent now with this kind of access to... Cinema PsyOps. It must be dizzying and exciting, but corrupting in a way that we can't even think about. A pirate ship with a tattered flag, sailing across seas of questionable movies while firing cannons of disdain. Cinema PsyOps. Long may she sail. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. I am your current cult leader. My name is Court. Do as I say, not as I do, and then do what I tell you to do, not what I tell you not to do, because if you do what I tell you not to do, you're going to get punished. One of the people who constantly does not do what I tell him to do and only does what I tell him not to do is Matt. Cults have the worst folk music. Yeah, that's the thing about cult leaders. If they're successful, they become musicians, rock stars, <laughs> yeah. or famous movie directors. <laughs> they're or good at what they did. Famous rock 
writers. And then sometimes a famous writer will just go ahead and make a cult, and that's called Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> was he really that famous before? I mean... Yeah, kind of. Was he? Yeah, he kind of had a name, and uh, that's where the followers came from, I think. I maybe, don't I don't know. I've never, never been really a fan of any of his stuff ever. I'm not a fan of him as a human being. <laughs> I'm more of a fan of his ability to dupe people into blowing a bunch of fucking money on his judgments and what he decides is what's, you know, worthwhile and how he built all these people out of money. You know, uh, I'm going to stop talking right now because I'm scared of the guy who replaced him. So... <laughs> <laughs> you should be afraid I'm of pretty sure no one has seen that guy's wife in like the past 15 years, and I'm pretty sure she's dead. They're extremely litigious, and if they're not extremely litigious, they just have someone kill your ass. And they almost took over the government. Yeah, that's that's how that's cults a, work. That's, that's a, what cults want to do. That's a real fucking fact, too. They supplanted a ton of people in different aspects of like the FBI, uh, the fucking, uh, I think the DEA, uh, the ATF, and a whole bunch of other like places within the government with the thought of they were going to take over the government and the plan was found out and the people were fired but no one ever went to jail for it so the leader of scientology legit tried a hostile takeover government and not hostile no, no, a, a very a, subtle, subtle coup very gentle coup, coup. of yeah, the united yeah. states government the united states government and he didn't get arrested for it that's what being white and having money in this country can do for you yeah but if you're poor and you're a cult leader you just end up having people kill sharon tate yeah which or, is what we're talking about. Or, or, or dying and dying a fire in Waco, Texas. <laughs> yeah, there is that. There too. is that. Well, the scariest one of all so far is the death cult that was in Japan where they nerve gassed that whole fucking subway system. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was horrifying that he got those people following him that much. What, what about those heaven gate motherfuckers who like castrated themselves? As I like to refer to fucking... them, the cut off your balls and meet me behind the comet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cult. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. Yeah. We got a lot of sick people in this world and we got to help them. How fucking damaged of a human being do you have to be before you hear someone say you have to castrate yourself and poison yourself uh -huh. to get behind the comet in the spaceship that will take us to salvation and you believe them uh -huh. how damaged do you have to be for that okay well when are we doing this when does the comet come <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking was going to happen. <laughs> when, You're when, way too contemptuous and a pain no, in the ass oh, to be yeah, in a I cult. Never, I could never be in a cult. Are you kidding me? You don't even want to do the shit that you tell yourself you need to do I, half the time. I know. <laughs> what am I going to do what someone else tells me to do? Out one side of your mouth, you're like, man, I really need to get my shit together. Or I'm going to get kicked off this podcast. On the other side of your mouth, you're, hey, it's Martin Luther King Day. I have the day <laughs> off. I don't want to come over. I'll make up an excuse and say it's going to snow tonight. Well, it was supposed to. Yeah. Not a fucking drop. That Nothing drop. at all. Hey, listen. Man, I can't control the weatherman, all right? But I can. You know why I can? Because you're ahead of the cult. Exactly. Is it the weather cult? <laughs> yes. Well, then they did do what you told them to do because they were telling me it was going to snow. That wasn't my cult. That was my <laughs> rival cult. That's a rival cult? Can't all the cults just get along and die? No, because they all are fighting for supremacy and you're almighty dollar. I mean, that's what all religions yeah. are anyway. They're all fucking cults looking to bilk you out of your it's, cash. It's a great line by the character Creed in The Office where he goes, I've been a member and leader of several different cults. You have more fun as a follower, but you make more money as a leader. <laughs> the thing I love about Creed is they never hide the fact that he's Creed from the grassroots. Yeah. They're just like, this is what Creed from the grassroots does now. He mm -hmm. works at this fucking shitty office. Yes. Cool. Yeah. And then there are some cult leaders that actually get themselves put into office like the president. Mm-hmm. Because he's got a cult of willing followers that are going to do just about anything he says at any point in time. They even, instead of shaving their heads and castrating themselves, they just put on red hats. That say, make America great again. I mean, that's the same thing as castrating yourself, because no chick's going to fuck you at that point. <laughs> 
Unless she's also wearing that cap. Well, in that case, then that is just... Your sister, and you're yeah, probably inbreeding. Yeah, yeah, that's a family member that you're fucking. That's pretty much what that is. Which I'm okay with, except <laughs> for the fact that they're wearing the MAGA hats listen, while they're doing it. Listen, yeah, I just get rid of the hats, and we're fine. I'll watch all night long. I don't care. Yeah, but at least they're flagging themselves so that we know that they're racist with hats. Yeah, well, if I see you wear that hat, I know that you're probably not somebody worth talking to, <laughs> and that you shouldn't procreate. And I hope you you castrate yourself. We, you just, they probably we lost will. the one MAGA hat wearing person that still listened to this show. How could they still be listening to this show? <laughs> I know. They're just like, I love getting mad. Every Sunday, I just like getting pissed off at the same time. <laughs> it just so happens Cinema PsyOps uploads. Look at it this way, right? They want to join a cult. Yeah. They want to have something to stand against. Yeah. So they download this show yeah. so they can get angry and rail against the things that we are championing. Yeah. Well, they probably apply their orange colored makeup to their face. <laughs> <laughs> They're just grinding up Cheetos, mixing it with milk, and smearing it on their face. Staring off in the distance. That actually was in, speaking of cults, American Horror Story Cult. Yeah. The series Cult. Uh-huh. The guy actually did that. After Trump won the election, he ground up a shitload of fucking Cheetos and rubbed them on his face and went walking around his house. That's hot. That's psychotic is uh-huh. what that is. I know. I find psychotic things hot now. <laughs> What are you, Paris Hilton? I don't know. <laughs> Man, That's that, is, that, is that an old reference? <laughs> you calling Paris Hilton old? Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, she's fucking dust by this point. <laughs> Wait, I just pictured that. Like a big pile of <laughs> just dust. Just a big pile going, That's hot. That's so hot. You know, we make fun, but I guess she does a lot of work with charities now. So it's like, holy shit. Sure she does. Oh, okay. Maybe sure she, she does. doesn't. I'm just saying. That's what they say she does. <laughs> that's, that's her whole ambition in life is to work with charities. Well, when you don't have to make any money of your own, you kind of have the road wide open for you. When you have all the money in the world, yeah. you can give away point zero 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 nine percent of it Apparently, and be considered charitable. And it doesn't make you better than me. Actually, she could just fart on a piece of toast and still be better than you. Well, what kind of a fart? Is it a juicy fart? A dry one? What are we talking about here? I don't know, but we're going to let the audience <laughs> contemplate that. We're going to take a little break here. We're going to play the promo from the Legion podcast app. They, they really wish they hadn't followed the fart comment, but okay. I think at this point as long as they're still getting some kind of money out of this yeah with this show they don't care what we do that they have to follow as long as we can get people driving to that patreon ad are you fi- are you farting quarters <laughs> if you are start suiting those quarters like a salad shooter our way <laughs> bing, to the legion bing, podcast bing. patreon once a month we're gonna play a little bit of music that is from the cult leader in question because yes i happen to have some of his albums oh uh, really yeah that's why all charles manson all fucking night that's okay, why. But why because that's why i mean it's not like they're good. And when we come back, we're going to have the trailer for the movie The Manson Family by Jim Van Beber. This will keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting. But that comes at a cost. What's that? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com 
forward slash Legion Podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon. And for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. There's a time for living. The time keeps on flying. Think you're loving, baby, and all you're doing is crying. Can you feel? Ah, those feelings real. Look at your game, girl. Look at your game, girl. What a mad delusion. Living in that confusion. Frustration and doubt Can you ever live without the game? The sad, sad game Mad game Just to say your love's not enough Alright, so not all of his music is crap. Look at your game, girl. That's actually a decent song. That was horrifically shitty. Wow. And you know zero about music. I think you just want to hate on it because it's written by a guy who got people to mass murder for him. Uh, no, it's shitty. I, I, it, you know what? It's not even him. If it was anybody, I'm not into folk music. I don't like it whatsoever. Oh, so you just hate folk music in general. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Well, yeah. I'm a big fan of folk music made by serial killers. Well, that is like... A very specific genre you know, of music. You would say, I would say that's oddly specific but I don't think so. That is very just, that's normal specific because I think almost all folk music is done by fucking serial killers. You know what I think was made by a serial killer? What's that? This trailer. I'm scared. Jesus Christ and his children were just kids. They were able to take off their clothes and lie in the sun and be one together. We had so much sex. We had every kind of sex you can imagine. We did things you'd never even think of. We were forced to examine our souls. We took hundreds of acid trips together, smoked a lot of pot together. We're waiting for our father to be set free. He's a genius, you don't realize. Of course I love Charlie. I felt like he was the Messiah come again. And leave aside something witchy. Now you're gonna need your driver's license, change your clothes, bring your knife. They know they're facing the gas chamber and they don't care. That's what people don't understand. They don't care. You better be ready because you're gonna die and I don't feel a thing about it. Just kept stabbing, 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 stabbing. Everybody's still feeling upbeat and happy about life. God, why don't you just break more about all the sex you're having, breakers? Well, they did have a lot of sex. It was the hippie days. Yeah. Some of it was willing, some of it wasn't, but we'll yeah. dig into that as we right, go. Right before AIDS, too, man. I mean, that's... What we like to call was, in the business the sweet spot. Yeah, that was like that was the time to be alive. <laughs> when almost all the stuff that you could catch communicably from sex was curable by penicillin. Yeah, shot of penicillin, you walked right out of the day and, you know, waited a couple days, and then you were right back to banging. When having a vasectomy 
actually mattered, when it actually yeah. did something good for yeah. a change. Yeah, right, right. Because, <laughs> I mean, who wants to use the rubber? Only sailors use condoms. No, they should. The filthy buggers, they go from port to port. All right, speaking about filthy buggery, let's talk about the Manson family. Oh, God, yeah, fine. Yeah, all the fun for Matt tonight <laughs> is just drained right out yeah, of him. pretty much. All right, so the film opens with severely trippy scenes and the title Charlie's Family. Now, this is the Severin Blu-ray copy. Other folks may have the one that actually has the title The Manson Family on it, but the review that we're doing tonight is actually based on the Severn Blu-ray. And that's really the only difference because I compared... Is this the unrated version or something? It was never really release rated. I mean, there's no way this film would ever be able to be rated no, I mean... with the content that's in it. So, But it was released as a quote-unquote unrated DVD, and I think it did have some cuts to it, and I bought the unrated DVD that Dark Sky released ages ago. I think mm-hmm. it was like in 2000-something. And I compared it after I did the notes on the Severn Blu-ray. Everything else is exactly the same as that unrated quote-unquote cut from the Dark Sky Films DVD release. Yeah. The only difference is the title from Charlie's Family to the Manson and Family. It, it's kind of funny comparatively to some of the last few movies we've been watching. This is fairly newly made for us. Isn't this made in 1997? Kind of. We'll get into that. Oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> we'll get into That's that on stuff? Final Thoughts. Okay. Yeah, there's some weird things about the production of this film, and I got to go back and check to make sure I got all the facts on it, but it took an extremely long time to do. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. All right, so the title, Charlie's Family, pops up. Now, we've got the rain dropping onto all of these various flowers, and some stuff gets superimposed over top of that. And then just as that happens, we see this superimposition of a bloody puppet, and then the rain starts turning into blood. So there's, like, blood falling on these fake flowers as if it is rain. And then all of a sudden, it starts jumping to what looks like some sort of crime scene photos popping up. And then it looks as though we see some of the crime scene photos of the Tate and then the LaBianca victims as well. Now, it's not the actual crime scene photos. It's recreations that were done in the movie of the murders and how the bodies were positioned later. But this movie is shockingly accurate for how that stuff works because I have seen those photos because I've read the book. Yeah. And while some of the stuff is blurred out, you can kind of see where the bodies are positioned. And the attention to detail in this is pretty horrific. (laughs) Let's put it that way. It's really well done. Yeah. uh, We then see that the year is 1969 as it pops up. And that leads to our very first clip. You better wise up. The time is going to come when all men will judge themselves before God. It'll be the worst hell, the worst hell on earth. It'll make Nazi Germany look like a picnic. And you got to be ready for that right now, right here, right now, just like that. And that's where we're at all the time. Whatever is necessary, you do it. When somebody needs to be killed, there's no wrong. You do it and you move on. There's a revolution coming very soon. You've lit the fuse yourself. We're going to cut and chop all you fuckers up. L.A. will burn to the ground. Los Angeles will burn to the ground. Once again, just a reflection of yourselves. We are what you made us. We've been so betrayed. We've been so terribly betrayed. I don't know who fired the gun. I don't know who killed the congressman. But as far as I'm concerned, I killed him. You understand what I'm saying? I killed him. We had no business coming. I told him not to come. Something to put to the rest. Oh. Oh, it's never been done. 
Join me, Jack Wilson, for a special edition of Crime Scene. We're going to journey back to August 9th and 10th, 1969. We're waiting for our father to be set free. Two nights of murder that sent terror through Los Angeles and ultimately the world. Next week on Crime Scene, we're going to bring you face to face with the evil few that forever poisoned the love generation as I talk with the members of Charlie's family. Hear the jailhouse confessions of Leslie, the homecoming queen twisted by Charlie into a knife-wielding maniac. Bobby, the unknown linchpin of the family who committed the first murder. Sadie, now a born-again Christian, once Charlie's most outrageous disciple. Patty, a former Sunday school teacher, she found Jesus Christ in Charlie. And Tex, the former high school football captain who became Charlie's bloodiest butcher. In Charlie, they found a daddy, a lover, and a savior. And it only took his words to ignite within them the rampage of hate and murder. The actual killers bringing into focus for the first time their years as members of Charlie's family. You can tell in his voice he cares. Oh, he did so many drugs and it made sense and we were sure that it would work. She's She's up for parole, you know, the end of the year. My parole hearings are taped and broadcast. There's no return address on this one. Hmm. The hell is that? Look at this. To the pig producer of the Charlie movie. How much more am I supposed to suffer for something that I did when I was 20 years old? Hook up the half-inch machine and play. I want to see what the hell it is. You got it, Charlie. Kill it. You know, maybe whoever sent it thinks she'll use it. There's no way in hell I'm going to use that thing. Every time they even make a mention of the murders, the family murders, it is Charlie, 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 the, the prince of evil, right? Very seldom have I ever seen them mention the kids that put the knives and the bullets in the victims. That's what gets me. Bobby and Gypsy and I are sort of this traveling family. Okay, so during the clip, we see another drug-fueled cult in what is labeled as 1996. They are obsessed with kink, politics, film editing, and hard, hard drugs. We actually see actual shooting up happening. Yeah. It's that so, shit didn't look fake to me. So it's, it's is this your people? No. <laughs> <laughs> Everything but the hard drugs. You would have that kind of a cult. The, the first person would break out LSD and be like, no, <laughs> we're not like that. Well, I'd let all of them do it, but then yeah. I would be in charge of their trip so that it was fueled on me and I can tell them everything that's, they need to feel that's, and believe. It's a bad trip. <laughs> Well, yeah. That's why I'm the cult leader. Yeah, right. You terrify them, and then you bring them down from it, and then you let them know that if it weren't for you, they would have probably harmed themselves. Like, well, what's Matt do to the corner? I saw him take, like, five LSDs. <laughs> That's not how it works, right? And then he, then he shot up some marijuanas. <laughs> Don't you tell me how it works. <laughs> All right, so now part of the audio that was being played there is actually a speech from Jim Jones. That's actually the speech that he starts doing as he calls for the, quote-unquote, mass suicide which is actually yeah. just a mass annihilation and then some suicide from his followers. You even hear him when he's like, this is no way for socialist communists to die. Die with some dignity where he's like, stop with the wailing and the crying and the fighting. It's like, holy shit, you heartless bastard. Not only that, but he got him knock off Kool-Aid. Knock off Kool-Aid. Yeah, it was Flavor-Aid. Everybody always Flavor-Aid. says drink the 
Kool Aid, but it's actually flavor. Flavor Aid. You can't even. You can't even spring for. You ever think Kool Aid's like, hey, can you guys leave us the fuck out of this? That's one of the things that they point out all the time, where it's like, stop saying drink the Kool Aid. It was Flavor Aid. Come on. Yeah, that's the one thing they want to make sure that people know it wasn't Kool Aid for. If Flavor Aid's still in business, they're like, no, I don't know what they're talking about. Keep that drinking the Kool Aid shit going. Oh man, can you imagine if Flavor Aid's still in business for people that want to buy it specifically because that's what it was used? That's That's fucked up. Yeah, fucked up. Now, we're also seeing in the clip the Crime Stoppers host. He is actually a local broadcaster who got roped into this film as well. He was just kind of given this opportunity to play this guy, but he's an actual local newsman. Oh, okay. And his acting style is nonstop local local newsman. Yeah, nonstop. It's like if Dan Rather were trying to deliver natural sounding dialogue, but just constantly did his Dan Rather news voice. Yeah. That's kind of how this guy acts. That's weird. Which is fine. I mean, there are some people that never switch it off. Yeah. I could totally see that. But I think Tom Brokaw just goes around in Tom Brokaw voice all the time. Former President Gerald Ford sexlessly <laughs> slaughtered. It's one of my favorite SNL yeah, bits. Yeah. At the very end of the clip is where the main focus of the film and the story is trying to drive forward. He even says it too. The story of the kids who put the actual blades and bullets into the victims. This is one of the things about this film that I actually like the most. It downplays the role of Manson in the film other than being the one who was directing people and kind of in charge of the entire group, but shows you the people who are really responsible for these deaths are actually the kids who put the knives and the bullets in the victims. Also annoyed the piss out of me so much that I'd rather have them fucking knife me to death. Unless <laughs> it means I'll have to listen to them yell anymore. Wow. <laughs> the film has a very fractured narrative and it feels like the hazy recollections of a drug binge. I as mean, far as yeah, Matt has I told mean, me. You, you, <laughs> as far as I've told you. Uh, I mean, it really does. I mean, you hear the, but the the actors, you know, going back and talking to the camera about their story about the past, and you're like, yeah, you guys don't really remember. Well, there's that, and also a lot of the people that were involved in this try to downplay their own role. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're still programmed, and they try to downplay the role that Manson actually had. Yeah. And a lot of people are trying to say, oh, well, you know, he wasn't really in charge. He just took care of all of us. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed to be a lot of his, sounds like he's in charge. Love his women, like a lot of his women more vehemently defend him than the two guys do. Two guys kind of seem like they just like, oh man, I, I, Charlie sucks or whatever. Well, it's kind of that way, but a lot of them were more gaslit. And I think after a while, they sort of realize that you see it in stages, the older the actual interview subjects get, yeah, the more distance they have from Charlie, the more they realize how they've been programmed. Well, yeah, I, I remember. They're so used to being institutionalized and told what to do constantly that, of course, they become model prisoners. All right, so essentially what's going on with this hazy recollection of a drug-fueled binge is that stating what happens in the order of the film will be a catalog of cuts and jumps from the interviews with the family members in prison and post-convictions and then later on in life while they're still trying to get parole and they're old people. And then sort of flashback sequences that demonstrate what's going on with those statements. There isn't really a full narrative that we can kind of tell you the story as it's happening, but we can give you a sort of play-by-play about what's going on and then kind of frame what's happening in the story with what we know from reality from some of the statements that have actually been said in the book from Boglioso, who actually was the uh, criminal prosecutor for the case. And then also these interviews are pretty accurate to some of the interviews that the people have given. They recreated it in some way, but there's a little bit of poetic license on some of the things. Oh, yeah. So we're going to try and tell the story as best we can, but this is 
is kind of a film that you just kind of have to experience because there's no straightforward narrative for me to tell you this is what happens next. It's kind of like you're already on drugs to watch this. Yeah, the film doesn't let you know what happens next until you're actually experiencing what happens next. And by the time you're really processing what is happening now, they're already on to what's happening later. I don't know, but it all stops in 96, thankfully. So we at least have some frame of reference. But anyway, the first of which of these types of interviews is Bobby talking down one of the family members from a bad acid trip. You actually see that when uh, Bobby's talking about how he had his girls and, you know, Anson had his before they even met. Yeah. And that actually leads to our next clip. I already had that shit down. When I met him, I had my girls, he had his. If anybody was influenced, it was him by me. And so I met Charlie. Making music is how I met Charlie. When I joined a band called The Milky Way, Charlie was in it. He was a fine musician, very intense, very vivid from being locked up all that time. And he was a great lyricist. I was, like a lot of kids my age, looking for God, on a quest for God, stumbling around, taking drugs, kind of like a blind girl. Forest. <laughs> Linda, I want you to come to the ranch with me this time. Just for a few days. Charlie acts from his soul. Charlie is the man that we've all been waiting for. I was living in this apartment with my dog, and my life was really routine. I just go to work, go home, go shopping, go to work, go home, go shopping. And it was really a drag. And then Charlie blows in, and he just changed everything. And I dropped it all, and I just took off. He brought out all these things in me that I was just sticking in slots. When Charlie got out, he was 33. He had been locked up since he was 13. He was lonely. And this was the first time he had a group of women who cared about him, who loved him. And Charlie loved those girls. He treated them with plenty of respect. Well, I was trying to get close to Charlie's girls. It's astounding that Charlie even knew Dennis and that we were all living in this uh, rock star's mansion in the first place. Then Dennis wised up and uh, kicked us all out. There's a lot of acid at the ranch. And of course, I went where the girls went. I followed them out to the ranch and tried to integrate myself with Charlie. I came to you with all the love in my heart, and you slaughtered me, man. <laughs> you slaughtered me. And now I gotta hide. I gotta hide my soul so you won't kill me. They come out and their parents say, shut up, get back inside yourself. You don't need to be so brown. We gotta judge ourselves. They hate to look at themselves. They hate to look at the truth in themselves, man. They persecute themselves. Charlie, this is text. You can have anything I got. Charlie wasn't the leader at all. He followed us around and took care of us. Are you ready to die? Yes, I am. And live forever. Being accepted by the family, Charlie was like an answer, an answer to an unspoken prayer. Before his helter-skelter trip, everything was beautiful. All we did was smoke grass and drop acid and make love as much as possible. We were forced to examine our souls, not privately or secretly, but before Charlie and the entire family. I mean, really, everything that everything was for was for fucking. That's what everything was for, man. To unify ourselves with LSD. I mean, if we weren't fucking, we were leading up to it. It was heavy. And if we weren't leading up to it, we were fucking. I didn't have any experience with group sex, but I I warmed up to it. The girls kept telling me that it was my parents' hang-ups, that I had to deprogram myself from their inhibitions. 
Okay. Yeah, court group sex is just your parents hang up. <laughs> sure. But my hang up is I don't want to have group sex with you involved. That would be cricket. That would not be good. No. No. All right. It's... So during this clip, we actually see Tex getting initiated, quote unquote, into the cult with some sort of gang sex ritual, which looks an awful lot like gang rape. They basically just put him on drugs where Charlie asks him if you're ready to die and they give him like a nice strip of acid. Looks like quite a bit of drugs from my estimation from what Matt's told me about how he does drugs. Yeah, that was quite a bit. That was a good amount. <laughs> then they rip off his clothes while he is tripping his nuts off and then a group sex scene gets started in the movie that features what I have in my notes written up as enthusiastically realistic sex. Enthusiastic realistic earth sex. Yeah. They're all outside and they're like with Mother Earth. In a bean field laying yeah. across like stalks of beans and things like I mean, that. You're rooting the crop. I'm just saying. Yeah, but other things are cropping up while they're yeah, doing yeah, it. Well, oh my God. I don't know. Can, can you get down outside? I mean, I have. You have? Yeah. Yeah, I have too. I don't, but it's not my first level of enjoyment. I wouldn't want to do it in a bean field. Yeah. <laughs> Let me put it that way. I wouldn't want to do it like in mud, in like real dirt. Like I need some really solid grass, like golf course grass. That's nice. Eh, cemeteries were fine for me. Yeah, but you're fucked up. So <laughs> Now, the reason I wrote this as enthusiastically realistic sex is I'm pretty sure there is probably actual sex on film. Now, I'm going to say that that's for realism, but it also looks as though they just filmed themselves fucking. Well, I mean, listen, if everyone's getting along and no one cares, make a movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to say that this is just pornography, but there's a whole section of here where that's yeah. enthusiastically realistic sex really feels like they're actually fucking on film. And, they might be bony. Hey, if that's your style of art, then, you know, go for it. I'm, yeah, I'm all for that. I'm fine by that. Why are you judging them? Did it sound like I was? Because I'm sorry, I'm not being judgy. Well, I, that just might be your demeanor. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole lot, at least in this scene, whenever they're all getting down, it seems very... They're all they're all boning. I mean, even uh, though it's a cult and they're going to be horrific murderers, this all seems like very consensual group sex. And yeah, the, at this point, everything mm -hmm. seems uh, almost on the up and up. And there's a whole bunch of thank you movie, regardless yeah. of what you're into. If you're into yeah. dudes, you get to see dicks hanging out. I mean... So Matt was happy. Well, I mean, you always like to see what everyone else is working with. <laughs> in some just, cases, you felt better about yourself, and then in others, you're like, oh, damn it. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> it's just like anything else. <laughs> and uh, I will say that uh, the ladies in this film are quite lovely. Yes. And nude quite frequently. Yeah. And I'm very happy that I bought this in high definition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this scene lasts for quite a while. The sex scene in the bean field where Tex is being initiated, I guess, is what you would call it, is quite a good bit of story. That's there. quite an initiation. Now, if the movie ends right there, that's like the happiest movie that ever happened to Tex. It's yeah. like <laughs> the end. And Tex lived happily ever after forever. You're in the friendliest sex cult of all time. The yeah. only discomfort you have is a beanstalk up your ass. Yeah, and that's while, just if you roll over. While right. Sadie's riding you like a mad woman. Yeah. And even that, that's not so bad because you get playful back there anyway. What are you doing? <laughs> a little backdoor action while you're getting ground to death into the ground by Sadie's madness. Yeah. I mean, what do you we always talk about how crazy's good in bed, and this yeah. is evidenced by Sadie and Patty and how they're working it in this scene. Oh, yeah, because they got crazy eyes, too. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, the actresses do a very excellent Whoa. job of playing crazy. I love how I write in my notes, this lasts for quite a while, but is important to the story. <laughs> 
Were you trying to convince yourself or are you trying to convince the audience? No, I have a great excuse for this. Are you oh, ready? Okay. okay, I'm ready. This lasts for quite a while, but is important to the story of how this group think mind was developed by Charlie and how he manipulated the family into following his lead. If they all have sex as a group, they're experiencing this euphoria altogether. It becomes this group mind. And because he's like the one that kind of leads them into this, this euphoria, this shared euphoria is sort of directed towards, look what Charlie gave to me. Uh-huh. It's actually quite genius. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. That's how my sex cult's going to work anyway. Is it? Yes, and you'll find more out about it in our next oh. clip. Well, the ranch was fairly isolated. You had to take a back road from the Santa Susana Pass to get there. And it was owned by this uh, 80-year-old blind guy named George. Well, Charlie never really believed that Jordan was completely blind. He would have one of the girls stripped down in front of him from time to time just to see if there was some sort of reaction. Charlie was always trying to cultivate George with the girls, you know, to help cook and clean and, and make love to him. And, of course, we helped out around the ranch. Uh, whatever, shoveling manure, grooming the horses, whatever it took to keep a good front and make us look good with George. And, for the most part, we got along with the other ranch hands. Except for Shorty. Charlie tried, but Shorty was just that one ranch hand that he couldn't work his magic on. Charlie wasn't looking for attention, which is why he got so much of it. You people sure have strange concepts of boyfriend-girlfriend. Boyfriend-girlfriend. Hi, Tex. Hi, Tex. Sadie. I didn't know what to make of Bobby when I met him. He seemed like a spoiled, super hippie, you know, arrogant. Always trying to use a power that we didn't really have to influence the rest of the group. What's the problem? Last night you said we were going swimming this morning. I didn't know you were going to be in the bar. Fucking Bobby! Look, I don't belong to you, Tex. You got that? I don't belong to anybody. I can do anything I want, and so can you. Why in the hell did you bring me here in the first place? I brought place? you here to meet everyone. <laughs> I brought you here to meet Charlie. Charlie, 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 Charlie. Sometimes our group lovemaking can be pretty comical. Other times it was devastating. But that's how we were growing. We were forming a bond as a family. And Charlie was directing all these energies. But no one could direct them. Charlie wasn't our leader. He didn't want us hanging on him like our parents wanted us to hang on to them. We didn't need him. Charlie let us be beautiful. What do you think sent that tape? Me it was a practical joke by some kids. You know, Charlie has been sort of an underground hero for a lot of these kids. Wait a minute. I'll show you something. I meant to show you this the other day. I picked it up at the Dark Fantasy comic book store, but look at this. Row after row of Charlie faces. Look at that. And then I realized that it's all been leading to right now. You know, it's like the family. This is the last time. Because now I've got the perfect body, the one I've wanted all along, the strongest one. The one that's going to make it through for the last time. Charlie told us that children were the real leaders of the family. They were the ones who led the way. Since we waited on them, they set the pace. Jesus Christ and his children were just kids. They were living free without guilt and without shame. They were able to take off their clothes and lie in the sun and be one together. We took hundreds of acid trips together, smoked a lot of pot together, because we wanted to be like Charlie, because to us, he was living perfection. We wanted to mirror him. We had so much sex. We had every kind of sex you could imagine. We did things you'd never even think of. It's a miracle I'm not dead from diseases by now. I had no standards. I would sleep with anybody, anybody I wanted to or anybody Charlie wanted me to. He would always give me to the meanest biker or the craziest whoever because he said I could out-freak anyone with sex. All right, go ahead. You know, the trial started for the family. It was really the, the milestone in the death of the hippie movement, I would really think. Sort of like Patty Hearst. Martin Luther King died with love. Kennedy died talking about something you couldn't even understand. Some kind of generalized love. Never even back it up. Stop down. Bullshit. Love is the only weapon with which I got to fight. I got a hell of a lot of weapons to fight. I got my sword. I got covers. I got guns. I got dynamite. I got a whole lot of 
Hey, now that reminds me about something. Remember the comic book store where I got the poster? Yeah. Okay. They had both of Charlie's albums there. Both of them. in either vinyl or CDs. Well, finally made the record bins. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, but did you buy them? So, Charlie, what was it like to talk to Charlie? You could take him in very small doses. I mean, he'd throw ten things at you. You'd be on three. He'd be on seven and get real physical about it. He, he, he'd bend over. He'd pick up a, a handful of rocks. He'd toss them in the air and say, See? You could throw it all away and it'll come back to you. We're flashing with divine harmony this morning. I just wrote two songs while the sun was rising. Very, very creepy. Charlie was not willing to sell out to the record producers, which is the first and most important requirement before the industry is willing to handle an artist. Now, if you want professional sound, you know maybe something you can use, use maybe I you suggest you get in the Hey, 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 what's the problem here? Huh? Many musicians say they don't care about the money, yet they commit themselves to be at given places at certain times and to produce what sells, whether they believe in it or not. Charlie didn't want that success. Charlie wanted success on his own terms. He didn't want to be imprisoned. I know what's best for us, man. I know. Do you know anything about uh, the acoustics in this studio? Do you know anything about EQ? Do you know anything about mixing? I know about the energy rays of a free love society, and I know that your cold, heartless technology hasn't defined that yet. Amen. But it's there. It's here. It's here, dig. Like a thought. It's a thought. It's in a thought. It's in a thought. From me to you. <laughs> I don't have to take this shit. Jerry, 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 come on, man. Charlie, what are you doing? You don't go slapping people. Well, fuck oh, you in your really, bullshit man. studio. Hey, is that is that what you think, man? Charlie does things his way. He don't conform to the pig rules of the establishment. So, Terry, you worked in the studio with Charlie. Now, you as producer. What, what did you think of him as a musician, as an artist? Charlie was at the edge. Just the, the whole 60s scene of L.A. Things kind of built to a critical mass. And at, at one point, I actually thought, well, maybe there is something we could do with this. But um... well, the music was really crap, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the music was crap. We're so, so formal over here on the BBC. This leads to a sequence of the family skinny dip on an acid trip and playing around in a stream smoking weed and having lots of sexual frolicking. Hey, do you know about music? Acoustics? No, man, but I know about the love and hate of the system, man. That's not what he said. I know, but it's pretty much what it is. <laughs> what he said didn't even make any sense. I know about the emanating waves of a free love society. Yeah, yeah. 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 Those are just words strung together to make it look like it's a sentence. Yeah, but in this day and age, he could have used that same horse shit and become president, man. Well, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That's, a, that, that's not good, though. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't necessarily make it a good thing, no, yeah. but yeah. yeah. All right, so they're frolicking around. They're smoking some weed in a stream. They're skinny dipping. They're having sex. Tons of more sex sexual frolicking going about. Now, I'm not complaining about all of this, but it doesn't quite advance the story other than letting you know that the main reason that they attracted people in here is all the fucking. Yeah. Charlie controlled the women. The women got all the guys in. The guys did what Charlie said. The women did what Charlie said, but mostly the men did what Charlie said because the women wanted the men to do what Charlie said because they were fucking the men. Yes. All of that. So I just need to get women to follow me and then I can get guys to follow the women who are following me and we're good. Yes. Nice. Yeah. But you, you have to make sure that the women will have sex with the men or some men aren't going to follow you. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the important part of this is that sex was being had. Why can't I attract more women with loose morals in this world? <laughs>
I, you would think we could in today's day society. I'm just saying. Yeah, but none of them want to do my bidding. They're not going to fall for your horse shit anymore, Court. There is some kind of discussion at some point while they're doing this weird sexual frolicking, smoking weed and playing around in a stream that they were trying to, quote unquote, clean themselves of the evils of the world with sex and drugs and rock and roll. Something along those lines. They were essentially just a bunch of kids lost in a world that didn't make any sense to them, looking to have a good time and feel the love that they never got as kids. A lot of these folks, you can kind of tell the way that that's discussing and the kind of the history that they do show for some of them, they're abandoned kids or they're kids that ran away from home or they're kids that didn't fit in where they grew up and they just were looking for some place to be, some place that they could have and call their own. And Charlie offered that to them and so did the Manson family, the whole group, this whole cult did. But it didn't quite work out the way that they were expecting and the place that they ended up was far worse than anywhere that they were before. Yes, that's how most cults work. (laughs) That is how we want it to be us cult leaders they cut back from this to the 96 cult as i have them written up in my notes as one of the followers is tweaking on the bus he's got a box full of stuff and he's tweaking his ass off just looking around and tripping out nobody seems to pay any attention to him and then they cut back to the newsroom we all forgot about after 16 minutes of orgies and drug abuse because holy shit yeah right (laughs) that's a whole other movie going on below this i like that movie (laughs) let's go back to that movie yeah the dream of becoming a counterculture rock star falls out from underneath Charlie and the family when they refuse to accept they have to make a product to sell for musicianship to be a monetary gain for them. There's even some excuse that uh, I think it's supposed to be uh, Patty, the follower Patty, that is saying something about, you know, most musicians talk about how they're anti-establishment, but they give themselves to be at a certain place at a certain time. So. Yeah, she says, you know, that the reason Charlie's yeah music never took off is because he wouldn't let the record companies own him because everybody else who's an artist in this world they have to they have somebody telling them where to be and and what they have to do and and where they have to go yeah but she's Charlie like but they agree owned. to be at a certain place yeah. at a certain time to do yeah. a certain performance she's describing live music performances yeah she's describing doing your job as a musician yeah to get your music out there listen what do most failed musicians or people who just aren't good do when they can't make it podcast besides that <laughs> they also rebel so much and they, oh no, it wasn't because I was terrible. It's because the music industry wasn't ready for me yet. Nobody can ever just look in the mirror and go, wow, you're trash and your entire life is trash. Well, when they are ready for that, then they become podcasters. Yes, they do. <laughs> you sucked at trying to be a comedian, so you're a podcaster. I'm trash. I sucked at trying to do movies and music, so I'm a podcaster. You're trash. I'm going to have a cult <laughs> and I'll show the world that they missed out on my free love society. Not really. The group would be involved in role-playing exercises. We see this in the film. They also have copious amounts of drug use and sex trades and all sorts of things. Essentially, they're trading sex to attract bikers and other people to the ranch that were working for chop shops and chopping up stolen cars and things on the ranch, which I'm sure that Charlie had a little bit of money for, and he paid them off in sex and also whatever else to get them to work there as well. Yeah, he said one of the girls is given to like the nastiest, like almost hardcore bikers because he said nobody can out freak you. Yeah, I think that was the Sadie character that they had as describing that. And so all of this stuff is going on in this ranch that they basically are leading the owner around by having the girls have sex with him and take care of him and trick him into thinking everything is everything. Well, he's blind. And even though Charlie never really quite believed he was blind, that (laughs) asshole was blind. So they have all of this going on except one specific ranch hand 
will not let them go and starts giving them some trouble. He even starts taking down license plates and started causing even more trouble by keeping track of what it is that the family is doing. And apparently Charlie hated him for not only this, but because he was apparently married to a black go-go dancer and that doesn't vibe with Charlie's white supremacist message. Yeah. Fuck you, Charlie. <laughs> what are you, Trump with your white supremacist yeah. message? He's okay oh with all the other horrible things that he's doing, but yep. you marry one black go-go dancer and apparently you're not okay. Apparently you're now just the devil. <laughs> the film then cuts back to the 96 cult doing drugs and listening to the Jonestown Massacre audio once again. They are sharing needles and shooting up in real time. I mean, we see blood entering the syringe yeah, and then the liquid going into a vein. That's fucked up. I don't care if that's supposed to be saline. Somebody shot something up for this movie. Yeah. That was not easy to watch. No. That was terrifying. I have tattoos, but I'm terrified of intravenous needle stuff. Yeah, I hate needles. Not a fan of that. But I can get tattooed all day and I'm cool by that. I don't know how that works, but yeah. I am. Uh, it's fucked up. It's like some people are like, I, they have a like a fear of heights, but they are fine flying. <laughs> Whereas I have a fear of heights and I'm not fine flying. Yeah, I, I have a fear of heights, but I can fly fine. You know, <laughs> flying's okay, but I can't even go to like a tall building and look out its window without feeling vertigo. If I'm not in control, I don't like it. She get a pilot's license. Yeah, they're going to give me a pilot's license. <laughs> they cut from this to Shorty while he is drunk off his ass and then a female ranch hand we've seen earlier only on the sort of periphery of the film wanted to get a ride home from him but couldn't get one at this point because he's hammered and he won't let her drive this opens the door for Tex to move in and trick the young woman into a party with the family in order to quote unquote get a ride home from him some underhanded shady ass shit happens and that is our next clip oh man it was supposed to come in and record us in our natural environment Charlie thought a record deal was coming too when I showed up the ranch was in full swing. Yeah, we had high expectations. Charlie had us clean the place from top to bottom. We had uh, zuzus, hundreds of joints were rolled, and the girls, well, they prepared this outstanding vegetarian feast. The food that those stores threw away was perfectly good, and we only took the very best of what was there. Each day I came to the ranch, Charlie sent me on a garbage run. He said, take some clean clothes, because you'll get all dirty. And so I went down to the market, and I hopped in the can, and we went through everything and got all dirty, and we just took the best of everything, and we took it and cleaned it and took the skins off and cut all the spots out. Nobody gets hungry here. Charlie, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry I couldn't make it. I was, uh, I was, I was, I was tied up in a meeting, okay? Hey, hey, whoa, Charlie. Charlie, ease up, man. I never promised you I'd be there. I said I'd come if I could, okay? It's like I tried to explain to you before, okay? The record execs don't think your stuff is marketable right now. What I suggest that we do is we'll sit on it till spring and, uh, and who knows? You, by then you could be the biggest name since, um, since Jim Morris. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean, make up my mind? This one little space and time where Charlie was there, but he wasn't. Charlie felt betrayed. His album was going to make us rich and it was going to spread his message to the world. I mean, it didn't slow us down. We had all the makings for a great party. When Simmy came with the family, she was a virgin and she was scared. She was scared stiff. Charlie's about the hippest guy I ever met. It's going to open doors and this little brain works. So will this. What's that? This is LSD. Here, take two. We've already dropped the whole thing. I haven't done tonight. any hard drugs before. That's not a hard drug. Come on, it's uh, just we don't water. do any hard drugs. It's just, it's just acid. It's not like it's heroin or cocaine or anything. It's a cruise. I don't know how. 
what do you mean you don't know how? It's just like going in the doctor's office, stick out your tongue, say ah, say ah. Uh, I've always wondered what it's like, you know, to trip. It's a groove. Say ah, ah, say ah. Uh. On her first big experience with the family, we all tripped on acid, and she plum tripped out on that. She flipped completely out. We are all tripping right along, we bawled our brains out. It wasn't rape. She loved it. It's, it's like she would start fighting, and she's fighting and scared and fighting, and then she'd calm down and go, uh, and then she'd realize what, what was happening to her, and she'd get all scared and frightened. And, and Charlie was sitting in the corner, just directing the operation. Yes, I know who Cindy Sherry was. I know she was right. That was Bobby and Charlie. I had nothing to do with that. No, she just vanished. Never heard from her again. I pray for her now in my nightly prayers. I just thank God she got out when she did or else she might have ended up in prison too. You've got the nerve to pray for me. I'm just as, you're just as disgusting as I am. It's your fault. I've always hated you. You ruined me. I ruined my whole life. All my life. Really, really. We struggle. I mean, we struggle with ourselves. <laughs> Charlie, I am not going to give up all my possessions to come live with you, man. Suddenly, there was a lot more talk about fear and its usefulness. Be like an animal. Be like a coyote. Use fear to help you exist and to live in the now. Well, I, I think I tried to make myself believe I was a witch. I was Yana, the good witch. Charlie just shifted gears. We ignored the establishment and we ignored reality even more than before. We just continued on with the magical mystery tour. Charlie got that from the Beatles. He called life, or, or the flow of life, the magical mystery tour. We were all part of it. One mind, one soul, one body within it and with it. It's a total state of paranoia. It's, it's man, when you're that aware, you, you can feel everything. You can see everything that moves. You can hear everything that makes a sound. You can smell every smell. When you're that aware, you're at the now. This is when we started going out on creepy crawl missions. Well, not breaking and entering, creepy crawling. You what? We creepy crawled them. A few of us would drive into some wealthy neighborhood and we'd pick a house and we'd steal right from under these people's noses while they slept. He had to be super aware. He had to be aware of every move you made. Well, sometimes we'd drop acid to heighten our awareness level. We creepy crawled probably 50 houses or more and we never got caught, not once. You stay positive, you confront your fears, you say yes to your fears, submit to them and overcome them. No sense makes sense. You can't get caught if you don't got thought in your head. Sometimes we would steal from the people's houses that we broke into. Other times we'd just move the furniture around to freak them out when they woke up in the morning. I was a master criminal. And that is so gross. That once bitch that they raped somebody, just, oh, yeah, she went away. And we never saw her again because she the had a bad trip. The event they described in the clip is a fucking gang rape that's yeah, they gang raped her. by the family. Yeah. They drugged her with acid, and then they gang raped her. And if you hear in the clip, one of the followers actually says that Charlie was just in the corner, just sort of... Directing traffic. Yeah, telling, telling them where to go. Directing them exactly what was but going on. With a smile on his fucking face when he's describing it. Yeah, he was humiliated. He was feeling less than because this record producer guy wouldn't come out and record them in their natural state and come see the family and wouldn't give him what he wanted so he basically turned around and ruined this woman's life yep. and destroyed her emotionally with the group and he directed them to do it and I'm pretty sure that Tex went out and found somebody because that was the whole plan Yeah. and then that one description where the guy's like she's fighting and fighting and fighting and then all of a sudden the drugs take hold she's looking around That's a and rape. she realized what was happening to her and she's scared and fighting and fighting and fighting and I'm like dude you're fucking talking about a 
gang rape. That's, this is a fucking gang that rape. That is what rape is. That is raping. And the really disgusting part is when they have Bobby go, she wasn't raped. She loved it. I'm yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. is fucking rape. You were yeah, describing a, rape, you pig. A, and then when all the girls, what do you describe? They're like, oh, we, thank God, you know, she got away, you know, and you know, so or she'd be in jail too. And it's like, you're not going to make any mention how you gang raped her. Yeah. They all participated. You all in it. participated they all in a gay rape. Yes. You pieces of shit. All right. So we need to kind of discuss right off the bat. It's already being shown here. The family is downplaying their roles in certain things that they are personally more ashamed of. Yeah. Instead of just like. Everyone downplayed their role in the gang rape. Yes. And Tex even tried to say that he wasn't even there, that that was Bobby and somebody else. But in the movie, they show yeah, you yeah. that he was totally there. Oh, yeah. Tex was there. Now, while this may not be 100% factually accurate to everything that happened in reality, because of, we don't really know everything that happened on the ranch and then now when they were out in Death Valley, like we can't really tell about everything other than accounts from family members and other people that may or may not have been there who would be unreliable storytellers regardless because of all of the drugs that they were on at the time. Yeah. But the point of the matter is, and what this movie is trying to get across here with this particular scene with this gang rape is, the people involved are trying to downplay it even though they were there and they were willing participants and maybe even perpetrators like with Tex. Mm -hmm. Some of them were trying to downplay what had happened and maybe not admit to themselves what they did like with, I think, Sadie, who was the born-again Christian now or whatever, yeah. where she's like, oh, I pray for her. I'm Thank God she got out when she did. She was never a family member. She was a fucking gang rape Yeah, you from the gang family. rape somebody, you <laughs> shithead. So it just kind of shows you the weird, twisted perspective that a lot of these people have to where they're living with the things that they've done by pretending like they didn't do them or minimize it or try and say, well, it's different than what it is. And we mentioned it earlier that the film does allude that this is a response to Charlie losing the musician dream from that particular record producer because he was humiliated. He had to he's a lash out and get at somebody. He's a petulant child, yeah. so he had to lash out. That sounds familiar like another cult leader we're dealing with. Huge. So that producer dropped out of the project with Manson when he got too scared, essentially, what was happening. Now, do you know a little bit about the history of Manson's supposed music career and what was supposed to be happening there? I do not. Okay. At one point in time, he got hooked up with somehow, probably because of all the girls, Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys. Oh, okay. Now, they were all living there, and they make a statement earlier in the movie about how like when Tex came in, Charlie was living with Dennis Wilson. Now, Dennis Wilson was kind of buying into Charlie's shit because Dennis Wilson was getting laid by a lot of Charlie's girls. Ah, uh, yeah. And I've seen other things where one of the Wilson guys was being interviewed and made some kind of a reference about how a lot of the girls had VD and all the people that were hanging out in Charlie's crew had VD and he was trying to get rid of all of it so he basically took them all to the clinic and he footed the bill for all of them to get cured. Nice. Because he didn't want to catch it again. Right. So it was like the biggest clinic bill in the world basically that he paid for the whole entire family to get cured of some of their shit. The whole group's like a petri dish. Essentially because they're all fucking everybody and then yeah. somebody else comes in and then more diseases come in. That's like why the one person said that she's lucky she didn't die from any diseases because of all the sex that they were having. Yeah. Something happened to where Dennis Wilson basically pawned Manson off to this producer guy that I guess was a producer for him at some point. And that's the producer that's mentioned in this film. All and right. they tried to get Charlie to get some music because they actually were buying into his horse shit. And when that failed and that didn't work out, Charlie went back to Dennis Wilson to talk some shit to him. This is, I guess, at some point after they had all gotten kicked out of his mansion. Uh -huh. And the producer actually lived in the house that the 
Tates were in whenever they went to go get them. Oh. It's actually suspected that Charlie sent them there to try and kill that producer because he still wanted some revenge. That was the one of the things are, that they... They're in that house. That somebody else was there at the time and it had been years and they didn't realize that the guy moved away or something yeah. like that. That's one of the speculations that's out there. At one point in time, Dennis Wilson actually was in hiding when this was going down because he suspected and or probably had an idea that it was the Manson family. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So, now again, this is some speculation shit, but there's some, you know, sort of... Some of the stuff I'm going to be talking about is like internet conspiracy theories about what's going on. But obviously, Dennis Wilson at some point had a confrontation with Charles Manson's family yeah. for probably them trying to bilk him for some money like they did. And he hightailed it and ran and hid. Yeah, because he knew Justifiably they were so. crazy. Exactly. But that was even before they got as bad as they did when they went to Death Valley. So you don't fuck crazy. Well, you can, but just make sure you yeah, don't get crazy pregnant. Make sure they don't have your address. <laughs> yeah. And if they do, make sure you move and then hope mm. the people that live there next aren't the Tates if you catch my drift. Oh, God. All right. So this is also the era of the creepy crawling that they were talking about. Have you heard that term before? Uh, well, no, I never have, but, you know, got pretty well described to it in this movie. Yeah. Did you know that Henry Rollins has a tattoo of a spider above his left shoulder, just above his heart? And above the top of it, it says creepy, and below it, it says crawl. Really? Yeah. Weird. Well, he was a very angry youth, and uh, he got that in his 20s, but it was very clearly influenced by the Manson family. Yeah. Because I don't think you put the words creepy crawl on you when you're Henry Rollins and as well-read as he was and not know what the fuck that meant. Exactly. Uh, we're talking about that already. And we all were angry youths at some point. Luckily, I got out without having the words from Manson tattooed on me somewhere. Yeah, right. Least ways that I didn't take off with a belt sander later. <laughs> so creepy crawling is essentially robbing or it's breaking into someone's house and rearranging their furniture. All of this done while they've slept yeah. and doing it so quietly that when they wake up, they realize their home and the sanctity therein has been violated. And after they describe that, the film then cuts back to the 96 cultists who we completely forgot about. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, what the fuck are these guys? And they're like, oh yeah, they're kind of the 96 cultists. Okay. And they're prepping one of their own shock and awe killing runs. One of the guys is taping up a handle of a kitchen knife, which I'm assuming is to either get rid of his prints or in some way, shape or form, make it for better grip for yeah. stabbing possibly. I think it's to, for prints. Mm. If I had to guess when he was doing it, I don't know how they give you a way better grip. Well, if you wrap it with the right kind of tape, it makes it a little spongier Uh-oh. and your hands won't slide as easy. I think it's just... Maybe uh, don't use kitchen knives to stab the fuck out of people. How about just don't stab the fuck out of people? No, come on. You gotta stab the fuck out of people. No, you don't. Wait, you don't? No. Wow, you just blew my mind. (laughs) Why are you crying all of a sudden? I've done some bad things, Matt. (laughs) It's like I just took away your national hobby. Yeah, I like stabbing people, (laughs) goddammit. I know, I saw the trail coming up to your place. All right, so they cut away from that, and we see that fear has become the main focus of Charlie's message at this point. They're even kind of describing it in the interviews once again. He becomes obsessed with death and with killing and how the establishment are all pigs. Essentially, the pigs are not allowing them to just be themselves. They're going to keep them from doing this sort of thing. I think what's essentially happening is Charlie is terrified that the man is coming down for him because his followers are getting too many, and they're starting to get noticed with the shit that they're doing, perhaps. Yeah. Or maybe it's just a paranoid drug fueled rant that got taken too seriously by his followers. While this is discussed, we see the followers of the similar beliefs once again in 1996. We kind of get the idea that they're also got this weird cluster drug-fueled craziness that's going on that's making them decide that they're going to do the same thing or something similar. They're running around nude, holding on to weaponry, naked as hell, shooting each other up, doing all sorts of crazy shit, possibly spreading more diseases. Do you think? I'm getting a little more weirded out about the stuff that's happening here. Let's just put it that way. And that leads to our next clip. Of course. 
If you're not dead, you will be soon. Tex was in bad shape. Charlie had told us all we had to cease to exist, but Tex never could. Free the mind, your ass is bound to follow. It's like he wanted it both ways, you know? One minute he'd be bad-mouthing Charlie, and the next minute he'd be saying shit like, I am Charlie, and Charlie is me. You dig, man? Yep. Here we are. Give me the money. You bring it out, I'll pay the dude. No, man, no fronts. The man doesn't front to anybody. He'd be running it 50 yards from the house and taking the money right back. That's not a fucking hey, front. You know, he's not going to change his rules for me. Now, do you want this or not? Because I don't care. We can go right now. Come on, lots of papa. Give me the money. I'll be back in a flash. I don't like this. Lots of papa called the ranch matter and hell. Charlie took the call. Who is it? It's Charlie, man. And Charlie talked to him, sued them out, cooled him, and said, don't come down here. I'll come over there and we'll settle this thing. Where are you going? Baby, what's your name? I'm not going Poor child. You must be Rosie. Hey, Sam, talking to you. Get over here. Marnie, would you untie this poor girl's hands? Where are you going? Look, motherfucker, you keep untying up. Oh, come on, man. This little woman could not muscle you. All right, motherfucker, get up. Get up. Put that fucking gun on the table. Easy. I said easy. Oh, the race war was something we believed in totally. It wasn't the reason for the murders, but the belief that there was going to be a great race war was something that hung in the atmosphere and drove us crazy. Charlie thought Lots of Papa was a Black Panther. Uh, nothing has changed since we talked on the phone, man. And if Tex ain't got every last cent of that money, he's wasted. I'm going to kill him. He's going to be wiped out. You dig it? It's not necessary. You take it as a gift from me. <laughs> Give? Please. Okay. And here you are. Kill me. My life in exchange for my brother. Shoot me. Amen, Charlie. He's whatever a person wants to make of him. He's a mirror, actually. A reflection of yourself. Get up! They'll both be right here when you get back. If we don't fuck up to death. <laughs> I'll get text for you. Morning. I'll be back soon. Now you're making sense, little man. What are you gonna do? Shoot me? How can I shoot you with an empty gun? <laughs> no bullets in it, man. All right, you little fuck. In everything that's ever been written, people always overlook how important that shooting was and the impact that it had on the future. Charlie was terrified that the Black Panthers would come down on us for shooting lots of Papa. It's a really nice shirt you're wearing there. I like it. I really do. Could I have it? I sure would like to have it. I remember hearing about the cop who shot the 16-year-old black kid who had to race riots in Watts, the Black Panthers in San Francisco. Martin Luther King had just been assassinated. So Charlie's rap didn't seem too far out at all. It didn't seem like it was going to happen a month from now. It was happening right now, right now. I love you. I do. And I think that's really the crux of the entire story here, that that was the springboard for these killings. That was the first domino to tip over, and it, it led to the rest. He is God! Why do you think they're sending him to the gas chamber? I want to talk to you and your people, Charlie. <laughs> Never put a gun at anyone. <laughs> you tell me what happened to Simi. We opened up her mind. She split. Her parents called. She hasn't been home for five days. Goddamn hippies better be straight with me. Better watch what you're saying, shorty, <laughs> or I'm going to have your head in a box. Snitches? Snitches will be taken care of. Chief, it's, uh, it's 6 o'clock. Already? Sure is. You know, not uh, not everybody in the world's a workaholic like you happen to be. And, and that's half the day off. And I'll bet you, when I get home, just might have a couple of steaks on the grill and maybe even a cheap bottle of wine waiting. Well, I think I'm going to hang around about another hour or so anyway. I got a lot to do. Well, I'll, uh, I'll see you about 9 in the morning, okay? All right, sounds good. So you had that for me.
Sure will. See you tomorrow. Good night. Okay, so at the end of the clip there, we see the 1996 drug cult is watching the reporter's partner leave from the building. So they're outside just waiting for the opportune moment. And they know that that reporter dude is in there alone. And it cuts to Sadie spouting more pro-Charlie horse shit. Of course he's God. Why do you think they're sending him to the gas chamber? I'm pretty sure God could get away from a little bit of gas. Just saying. Nah, I bet you your God couldn't. Okay, so she's spouting off some more pro-Charlie horse shit propaganda as she is wont to do in her fashion, Tex comes back after being gone for an extended period of time to discover the cult has taken an even darker turn than what he had previously experienced. While Tex and Patty are having serious tantric sex in the muddy, rain-soaked beanfield once again. Now that's something that made me think they were actually having sex. That looked like actual sex That looked well. like actual sex. If that was simulated, they did a damn fine job. It was some of the best acting I've ever seen. There is actual dialogue going on over top of this wondrous actual <laughs> acting sex scene and that is our next clip he never really gave orders he was so evil he would just scare us to death with his preachings every night he'd tell us there was going to be a race war and that white and the blacks are going to go to war and it's going to be the worst war the world had ever seen and he said that we had to be ready to save the, the children and rescue the homeless babies and carry them off into the desert to safety and he said we had to start collecting dune buggies and guns and supplies and all these other things to help us survive and then he would just call pull out this buck knife he said i don't know about the rest of you but i'm gonna start carrying a knife there's no good or no evil there just is did you have any idea you were gonna be one of the apostles an apostle what the hell is that supposed to mean come on tex why else would you be here right now why would any of us be here charlie that's right come on patty well you know who he is don't you it's all true tex I know about these things. I know it's all true. I used to teach Sunday school. I was studying to be a nun before I met Charlie. Gospel according to Charlie is all you girls know. You're absolutely fucking right, Tex, because Charlie is Christ, and Christ is love, and Charlie is love. That makes Charlie and Christ one. Beatles laid it all out on the White Album. Four angels, the faces of men, and the hair of women. That's the Beatles. And the breastplates of fire, that's their electric guitar, see? You know who the fifth angel is, don't you? Don't you? I'm just so sick of this mind-fucking bullshit. You better be ready. Two weeks later, everybody's carrying a knife, and Charlie's teaching us the best way to slit a person's throat. Just like there's no past and no future, just now. That's all that's important. The time is going to come when all men will judge themselves before God. It'll be the worst hell, the worst hell on earth. It'll make Nazi Germany look like a picnic. And you got to be ready for that right now, right here, right now, just like that. And that's where we're at all the time. Charlie said of Helter Skelter patrols, we kept 24-hour-a-day lookouts posted with shotguns around the ranch. It was perfect time for Charlie because the family was starting to drift apart. But now we were being pushed the last safe corner of the earth, the desert. Now the district attorney made up the lie that Charlie was trying to start this black-white war to bring on Armageddon. Charlie didn't start the war. 
As far as we were all concerned, it was already coming down. Helter Skelter is the name of a song performed by the Beatles, period. Helter Skelter was very real to us. For all we knew, it was happening. All the events were taking place, and we thought we really had to get to the desert, that the desert was the only way that we could be saved. We'd still make music and orgy, but now it had this dark underbelly to it. Everything was biblical and apocalyptic. We will kill anyone who gets in our way, period. What are we going to do, Charlie? Creepy cross some pig's house. Of course I love Charlie. I felt like he was a messiah come again. You know, the second coming of Christ. Okay, so this dark turn in the group coincides with the fact that the group was starting to drift apart. It was really hard to hold everybody together. The money was running out. Things weren't quite as fun. Yeah. The drugs were starting to go down. They had this whole thing with lots of Papa getting shot, which I'm pretty sure is what sparked Charlie's hole. This is the race riot coming mm-hmm. because he was terrified that the Black Panthers were going to seek retribution for him just murdering one of exactly. their Exactly. You know, he comes up with a race war because he thought a guy he just killed was a member of the Black Panthers, right? And they were going to come kick his little right. ass. Now, whether this is "quote unquote" historically accurate to what actually yeah. happened, not really a point. Well, I'm just commenting about to, the movie. This is all the discussion of yeah. what's happening in the plotline of this film. So it really kind of ties together what's actually happening here and where these sort of non sequitur incidents that keep happening sort of tally up and become part of this group think fear that this drug-addled cult has. Yeah, they're always fucking on drugs. They're always having orgies, and as they start to get more and more fearful of the world around them and what's happening, then all of the orgies, drug-fueled rants, and sex start taking an even darker and darker turn. Mm -hmm. They've already done some pretty horrific shit that Charlie has directed, like the gang rape. Yeah, exactly. There's already been some killings that I'm sure that they've already done Uh that we just are jumping around in time that we haven't talked about, but things keep escalating. That's the point that the movie's trying to bring across here is that it just keeps getting worse for them and they keep making choices that keep making it feel more desperate and more out of touch. And so they start running off of the ranch after they're kicked out and they've pretty much outstayed their welcome there by making sure that ranch hands have disappeared. Yes. Then they're off to the desert to go hide out in Death Valley and this is where things really start to get fucking desperate because the bindings that are tightly held around the group are starting to snap and or give way. And so Charlie finds new ways to wrap them around. This includes disturbing, crucifying scenes where Charlie is Jesus reborn to they sacrifice a dog, a dog blood ritual, sex sacrifice yeah. orgy of some sort. The sequence consists of tying Charlie to a cross and then slitting the throat of the poor doggo and draining its blood into a very large chalice or bowl while Bobby reads a vaguely satanic verse out of a book and a large fucking orgy starts. Now, while Bobby is reading that fucking phrase, someone's giving him head. We should probably point that out. Yes. Then the dog's blood is drank, dumped onto people while they're engaging in various sexual acts, and Charlie is shown to be, quote-unquote, rising from the dead as more blood and mud-soaked orgiastic sex continues, with what looks like actual oral sex being performed in one of the scenes. Yes. Now, it's important to point out that some of the, quote-unquote, cult followers in this scene were local prostitutes and strippers. Oh, were they? And I do believe that one of the local strippers was having actual oral sex performed on her by one 
one of the male actors in the film. It Jesus. sure looked like that's what was happening. And so they have other forms of sex on film as well, but that one was definitely real. And I'm pretty sure there was some actual real sex being filmed here because like we talked about before, if it wasn't real sex, it looks really realistic and enthusiastic enough to where this is some damn actors fine. and actresses are uninhibited and going after it like they're really doing it. It's some damn fine acting, my friend. Damn fine acting. <laughs> this is by far what most would consider the most disturbing and what I consider sexiest thing in the oh, film. Oh, dude, it was a dog sacrifice. Come on. <laughs> the latest satanic orgy feast leads to one member deciding he needs to leave because he has had too much. He saw Charlie as the devil and that took him over. Yeah. And then he gets busted by Sadie and Patty in the process of trying to leave, but somehow he still gets out because years after they were caught, he's one of the people being interviewed and apparently he's alive at that point while he's older. So clearly he made it out alive somehow. We've talked about a lot of disturbing stuff and some really sexy dog blood orgies. Oh God. And that leads to our next clip. Any traces of my own will of personality had totally dissolved by this time. I was just an extension of Charlie and I took my role of enforcer very seriously. What's the big deal? I just wanted to be by myself for a while. She's wearing these. I like to stay in focus. You were running away. I wasn't running away. Look, what's the big deal all of a sudden? You guys are acting like the ranch has become a military camp. Take them off. Charlie told you not to wear them. Stop it. I want to wear them. You never leave the ranch without telling anyone. Going out to Death Valley, you know, it made a lot of sense. Somewhere that we could raise our children and let them teach us some of the things that we need to learn in a place that's closer to the land and the stars and the spirit of life. Do it again, I'll kill you. Hang you in a tree and we'll cut your tongue out. You got no idea how desperate things were out there. I'm not talking frustration, I'm talking lunacy. Charlie thought that Gary had inherited a lot of money. So Charlie asked Gary to join the family and come with us to the desert. Gary said no, so Charlie told Bobby and I to try to convince him. I've given you, given you all help in times of need, but I'm not following Charlie into the desert. I have my life and it's here. you to change, Gary. You can bring your your gahans your gahans out there. You can have everything there that you have here. We love you, Gary. We need you, man. I need you. No, all right. You're still my brother and my sister, but I must Last be true chance. to myself. It's gonna take a lot of money for a move this I'll time. I'll give you forty dollars, okay? How about twenty grand? <laughs> How about it? We need that money, Gary. The whole thing with Gary was that he had burned me on a thousand tabs of mescaline. I went there simply to get my money back. I think you should leave right now. Bullshit. We ain't kidding, Gary. Bobby, what are you doing? Look, I don't know what Charlie told you, but I don't have $20,000. You're not bullshitting me! Bobby? Get out of my house! Watch it. I'm gonna find He's not gonna find anything. Shut up! We trashed this place. We turned it upside down. I don't know what else. I don't know if he has it. All right, fine. Okay. All right, fine. We'll be here. You're making terrible causes. Causes you'll answer for Charlie's in later life. At you, man. You can't change the causes you've made, but you can counter them with positive ones. What the hell? You too, Sadie. Just go. Tell that to Charlie. Gary had no stomach for what was going on. He just kept saying over and over again that he didn't have any money and, and he was tired and he wanted to go to sleep. Me and Bobby looked everywhere in that house for money. That's Charlie. Let him in. Finally, Bobby didn't know what to do. Get up. Yeah. Hey, Charlie. Where's Bruce? Charlie, I, I don't think you know what you're doing by this. I want to talk about Cause... that money, Jack, right now. Where is it? Take your people and get out. Don't, don't come back without the money, man. During my trial, the prosecution wanted to involve Charlie in my case, which is difficult because he was never there at any time. I cut Gary when we were fighting. It wasn't his ear, it was more like this little slash on his cheek. Take this, little safe. 
Clean up, woman. I think at that point, Charlie knew what was going on, but we didn't. I know Bobby was not at all ready for what was happening. Oh, shut up! I'm gonna go get something to fix his hair. You're not going anywhere. Look, we will keep cleaning until you tell us where that fucking money is! He's not gonna tell us a fucking thing unless we help him. That's right. I'm gonna rip this place apart, and you're gonna watch him. I am going to get some medical supplies right now. You do what I say, say. Fuck you! The scariest part of this is the willingness the followers had to just simply kill without question when asked, and the followers that would not do this were somehow gone without explanation. Yep. So, yeah, this is getting really grim really this is, fast. This is, uh, this is taking a turn. You could definitely say that. Now, the linchpin, what the movie is trying to convince us is the linchpin by telling us repeatedly this is the linchpin, to the worst violence that we're about to see perpetrated by this cult was the death of Gary, and I have him written up as Budahast, I believe is his last name, uh-huh. who either owed Bobby money, according to some stories, or was supposedly came into some money, which made him a target to get some cash for the family. It depends upon which side of the story you're being told. And it seems like Bobby's trying to downplay Charlie's involvement here, which yeah. it almost well, feels he's like... trying to downplay why he was even there. He was just there because he got burned in a thousand tabs of some drug. Yeah, mescaline, which mescaline. is like, okay, so if you got burned on a thousand tabs of mescaline and you're collection is to murder the guy you're never going to get the drugs you're never going to get your money back all you're going to do is have a murder on your fucking hands exactly yeah but the main cause of this is they were hoping that this would in some way shape or form fund this cause that the new drugged out message of the group is with this helter skelter in the world that's coming down however his death and the incarceration of bobby led to all of the other deaths which is why they're trying to state it's the linchpin the idea here that the man would have given them anything was null and void even if he was rich because the minute they attacked him, it's over with. And the solution to call the ranch for answers left them with no options but to kill Gary, especially if Charlie actually showed up there because once Gary gives them the money, he's going to call the cops anyway if he did have the money and it's all over with for them. So he's going to die either way. Yeah. So whatever ended up happening, whether he had money, whether he burned Bobby on these tabs of mescaline and Bobby was collecting, whatever ended up happening, Gary was going to die regardless. And that's what we end up seeing is a very brutal fucking death. Yeah. Once the violence starts happening in this film it's like a roller coaster once you get over the first violent act besides you know the horrendous drug-laden game right right uh the first act of death in this it boom it starts in like a, a roller coaster and just doesn't stop one of the things that ben Pepper does really well and we saw this in deadbeat at dawn on an extremely low budget he somehow makes violence and bodily dismemberment portions of the film that are happening whether it's a guy being dragged against a brick wall on a car or a dude's being stabbed a thousand times in the chest with a dagger. Yeah. He makes it look like it's really happening. And he does. you kind of wonder if you're watching a snuff film for the, a second. The sound effects are really graphically really realistic. horrific. Yes. Bobby, being a drugged out lunatic, may have attempted to cover up his terrible crime, but essentially left a trail of breadcrumbs behind after Sadie and he brutally murdered Gary. He left Prince behind, that's one thing, but he also stole Gary's car. And I think he got caught driving around in Gary's car. And I think he even says that at the end of the clip where he's like effectively negating all my efforts to elude the authorities. Yeah. yeah, he pretty much cleaned it up like a CSI technician would know how to do and then took the victim's fucking car. No, he didn't clean it up that well because he left Prince and a bunch of other things behind. But yeah, they left an obvious trail of breadcrumbs for them to be able to find and he was convicted very easily for this death. This is far more disturbing when intercut with the interviews of the followers when you're actually seeing some of the things that they're saying and you realize that there was just the tip of the iceberg of people who actually did what Charlie said Yeah, and then got 
caught doing the killings. Uh-huh. That's the part I find the most terrifying about yeah. the Manson family cult. Not only how many are out there still and were out there and were able to continue that type of work. Like, for instance, Squeaky Frome, her nickname Squeaky. Oh, yeah. She tried to kidnap fucking President Nixon. That's right. To try and get Charlie and his group out. And that's how she ended up in jail. And then they let her back out eventually. Well, yeah, because it was just Nixon. It wasn't like it was a good president. <laughs> Fair enough. But, anyway, <laughs> but I mean, the, the point is that there were still followers up to that point yeah. trying to do stuff and everything like that. And then there's also all of the followers had kids and the kids were being raised on the ranch. And what do you think they were indoctrinated with? Exactly. And we have no idea what happened to those kids and when they grew up. Now that but this movie poses an idea of what some of them might have become. Right. Charlie is distraught and develops another plan in an attempt to help Bobby get out of jail by killing more people in a pattern like what happened with the murder Bobby did to make it look like the real killer is still out there. Now, it's important to note, in the film, they make it sound like the girls came up with this plan, but at the same time, they also have the exact same girls that are like, yeah, some of the girls described to do this blah, 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 and then they start talking, but it sounds like one of the girls was told by Charlie to do this. Yeah. And then the rest of them made it sound like it was their plan to do it and they need to do it to try and protect and save Bobby. Yes. So you don't really know who came up with the idea, but if you want to believe the narrative of the prosecution that put Charles Manson behind bars, it was all his idea. He was the one who did it all. But regardless of who came up with the idea, it was Charlie who instructed everybody on what to <laughs> he do. He told everyone. It's like a mob boss telling everybody what to go do. Regardless of the idea. Yeah. yeah. He's still the shot caller of the cult. Yeah. And we're going to hear that in our next clip. Oh, geez. This had nothing to do with the race war. No no blacks against whites, no Armageddon, no whiteout, no helter-skelter. That wasn't what it was about. Then he went on about how we were a family and we weren't going to let one of our brothers rot in jail. Girls loved Bobby enough to do this. As they took these people's lives, they were willing to give their own lives. And that's what they're doing right now on death row. It's for the love of brother. We knew that Charlie was willing to give his life. He brought up the subject of lots of Papa and how that had been my mess and how he had to clean that one up. That he had taken a life and now it was my turn to repay that debt. Well, the girls decided if they found the police, they found more bodies with, with writing on the wall of blood, that, that they'd assume that the killer was on the loose and they'd let Bobby go. He told me that the girls had a plan and they needed me to help them carry it out. He said, go to Terry's old place, take all the money you find, and kill anyone there. I was getting into my creepy crawl clothes, and me and Tex were sneaking some speed and getting ready to go. Linda, get up. Wake up! Now you're gonna need your driver's license, change your clothes, put on dark clothes like I'm wearing, bring your knife. Linda, I want you to go wherever Tex tells you. Everybody, do whatever Tex says. He knows what to do. Listen to him and leave aside. You girls know what I mean? Something witchy. So I led them there. I had been there three times before. I'd step out of this casket like some freaky vampire or something. And I would point at my victim. Shut up! I would dance in front of I wish you'd shut up! Shut the fuck up! We're driving! Go! I had the girls wait in the car. I climbed the telephone pole and cut the wire. I went down an embankment, climbed a fence, and over some barbed wire. We were headed toward the house when we saw a car coming up the driveway. Get down, get down. Hey! At least I won't say anything! It's starting, come on! I turned the engine off, rolled the car back a few yards, and I told Linda to keep watch. Then I went up to the house, I slid a screen, climbed in, went to the front door, and I let Sadie in. Go check for other people. What do you want? I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. Linda, Linda, I need your knife. What's wrong with you? Listen for sounds. Sadie came back in with a woman dressed in a nightgown and told me that there was another couple in one of the bedrooms. Watch her. What? Watch her. Move! 
move. Scared. Careful with her, goddamn you. Silence. One more word and you will die. He means it. Over there. Stand there. The methadrine crystal that I had snorted earlier was blurring everything together. Time was telescoping. As soon as I had a thought, I was already physically acting on it. To me, these people were not human. They were less than human. They were artificial. Let her go. Can't you see she's pregnant? And here's where all the fun talk stops, because this leads to a horrific and extremely accurate portrayal of the violence and brutality wrought onto these poor people. Every excessive stab wound and shot fired into the bodies in a frenetic, drug-fueled chaos of murder and bloodletting. Yeah. It's played out in real time and shown with no sensation intent. This is so matter of fact, it makes you feel like you're right there. Like you feel like you're the fucking camera. Yeah. And the film is forcing you to watch this. And it follows text for a lot of it. So it's on text for a lot of the things that he does, although it cuts back and forth from it. Yeah. And all the scenes of the camera following text, it feels like you're chasing after him, trying to stop him, but you can't quite get there. Or that's yeah. what it felt like for me. And every time I fucking watch this, this scene just takes all of the whatever enjoyment you may have from watching the film from the earlier stuff with the sex and the well, I knew crazy the jokes you can kind of make, you know, make about cults and how silly they are. Well, it now, all dies here with yeah. the very first stab wound of the poor fucking bastard on the couch. Yeah. I think it's Sebring is that guy. I can't remember the names 100% accurately here. It feels far too goddamn real and gruesome for me to really even go in to try and describe, but the bloodshed is really, really accurate. I mean, it feels so real. Van Bepper is really fucking good at making violence look like it's actually happening. Yeah. If I hadn't seen some of these people being interviewed later like you really think they actually fucking died sometimes it's bad you have to witness it in the film as it happens for you to really kind of get the feeling of what i'm talking about you really do feel these people are fighting for their lives and the total lack of any human emotion on the part of tex and the followers and he even describes it he was on methadine crystal which i think is some form of early methamphetamine the methadrine crystal or whatever that he describes again not blaming himself at all or holding any accountability for what he's doing. No, it's the drugs. He blamed drugs. drugs. Yeah, before he even had a thought, he was already acting on it. And the film does at least one thing where it pulls out pretty well and just doesn't handle something to... This is why I'm saying it's not sensationalistic. It focuses in on the violence rod on everybody else, but when it gets to the most famous person in the entire sequence here for this house, the Tate house, it's Sharon Tate and her child. You do see the murder happening and you do see her being stabbed. You do see her being brutalized Mm -hmm. where they torture her and they're tormenting her. But thankfully, it cuts away before you actually see what happened to her. And the choice that Ben Beber actually says later on is that it's not just about her. It's about Abigail Folger, who had her throat slit and still tried to walk out through the backyard to escape. Yeah. To not only save her life, but also get help for everyone else. Uh That fucking walk breaks my heart. Oh, yeah. Watching her walk like that, it's horrifying with her throat slit and just kind of stumbling along. And it's like her body doesn't realize the rest of her is dead yet. Mm -hmm. And just the ridiculous amount amount of stab wounds that she suffered and everybody else. The real brutality that's visited on the bodies long after the victims are dead, that's even worse. You see Tex just stabbing the fuck out of somebody that's already dead, just making sure that he gets enough knife wounds in there. It's beyond overkill. It's horrific. Yeah. And the fact that they focused in on that 
that of the post-mortem stabbings and everything like that and that they don't show you Sharon Tate being stabbed in the stomach to kill her baby and her at the same time. Yeah. They skip over that because it's almost like no, you like a Game choice of, of taste. Like Game of Thrones do that shit. <laughs> well, yeah. I think the reason that he did that is, well, for the reason that he says anyway, and I, I tend to believe him on this, it's because a lot of focus is given to Sharon Tate because of how horrific it is to have a pregnant woman murdered in such a way. Yeah. And it almost overshadows the pain and suffering that everyone else in that room yeah, went through. Yeah, there are plenty of other people who were murdered that night. Yeah, yeah, and what happened to Abigail Folger is every bit as horrific. It just so happens that she wasn't pregnant at the time. Yeah. You know, just, oh my God, and the poor, I can't remember if a Jay Sebring was the one that was on the couch or if Jay Sebring is the guy that, I might even not have their name, so I'm probably wrong on that. It's been so long since I've read the book, but the character that tries to run away and gets shot and stabbed a bunch and then beat over the head whenever the gun stops working until yeah. his head caves in, uh-huh. that sequence of the revolver caving in his oh, head. Oh God, yeah, that was horrific, man. <laughs> it was really disturbing. Oh, that was so bad. Well, because we've gotten such dark times that we've had to talk about and Matt and I are both just flummoxed, that's our next clip. No. You have to have a real love in your heart to do this for people. Well, what's the big deal? A million babies are born and die each day. Tex told me to dip a towel in her blood and write something that would shock the world. So I did. Charlie was waiting for us when we got back to the ranch, sitting naked in the moonlight. He asked us if we had any remorse for what we'd done. Of course, the right answer was no. I remember Patty telling me about it, and then I went through a change, and, and I thought, right on. I guess we did it. Well, the next night, Charlie uh, gathered up Clem, Sadie, Leslie, Patty, and me, and uh, told us to come with him. Well, um, Charlie made sure that he, he sort of made me feel really guilty and said that I should want to do it because it was going to help Bobby. Linda drove, of course, because she had the only valid driver's license, and we went to this house that Charlie had once partied at, and he said, we're going to do the one on the right of that house. He said that the night before had been too messy, and that this time we were going to do it differently. So he went inside, and he tied up the couple who lived there with some leather laces, and he came back out, and he told uh, Patty and Leslie and me to go in and kill them. Charlie, can, can, we, can we just go now? Can we just but go now, But don't tell them what you're going to do. Don't scare them. That way they won't Fight. Leave him, leave him. Shut him up. The culture is you. Please don't. So before you actually get a chance to process the horrific crime that yeah. actually occurred at the Tate house, the film's already there with the LaBiancas and you have to fucking witness the death of the LaBiancas. I think this is an artistic choice that was actually rather well rendered because the shock and horror of everything that happened with the Tate murders, just a few days later, the LaBiancas are killed. Yeah. So before anybody even has a chance to process what was the most horrific crime at the time that anyone had ever seen in the greater Los Angeles area, yeah. horrified by what had just occurred. Especially to famous people. Yeah, it happens again. Yeah. It's not famous people this time. It's just a randomly picked out house because Charlie partied in a house to the right of it, I think, or was it to the left? I can't remember. Yeah, what the something clip like said. that. And that clip had testimony that had Charlie being physically there, directing what they were doing, where he tied everybody up, told them what to do, but left before the actual crimes occurred. I'm guessing to try and distance himself from it and make it seem like he didn't do it. Probably. Now, whether or not he was physically there, that's something that's going to be highly debated, I know for sure. Yeah. Because because 
a lot of people are going to say that he never actually did anything and that he was just, you know, a political prisoner because he was a member of the group and a lot of his own followers were trying to say the same kind of thing. Yeah. But he was complicit in the crimes. He told people what to do. Therefore, well, he that, needed to go to jail regardless. I don't know if anybody can argue with that anymore. I mean, I remember several of his nutty little interviews he would do from prison where he said, you can never let me out of here. You let me out, I'll kill everybody. It's like, okay, so we're not going to let you out, obviously. Yeah, but he said a bunch of crazy shit all all of the fucking time. Well, that's good that that he was in prison then and he died there. We're going by the narrative of the film where he was there, tied them up, told them what to do and then left. Yeah. The stabbing and frenzy killing is again, ultra realistic and extremely disturbing this time around because you actually hear the man screaming for his wife and her name and hoping that she'll be okay and just screaming, you don't have to do this as he gets brutalized and stabbed and it only stops whenever he basically can't get air into his lungs anymore from the stab wounds. And I don't know if it was just me and what I thought I heard on the headphones, but did you hear the wheezing, gurgling blood sound where he's trying to still scream as he's being stabbed? Yes. That's why I said the sound effects in this movie were fucking second to none. Yeah, it was horrific. Yeah, it was bad. The postmortem stab wounds that Leslie Van Houten, who in this this particular place, her role was downplayed quite a bit, but it's all postmortem stabbing that they had her do, but they actually have her stab the corpses. The fact that she's doing that with the glee-filled laughter that's going on, that has it so much more horrific because they're already dead and she's just stabbing like in one case the buttocks and in the other case the other one because they want to make sure that she does some of the stabbing as well uh-huh. I mean just the fact that you're already there while this is going on makes you complicit in the crime and makes you an accessory to that murder and makes you just as you break in and then a killing happens you are guilty of the killing you are yeah yeah that's yeah. how that works and wow the film also does not shy away from any of this horrific violence or the frenzied stabbing in any way shape or form it doesn't give you a chance to just sit back and try and process anything. It just throws it all at you at once and then lets it sit with you as it moves on to the rest of the story. And that's exactly what I'm going to do with our final clip. I know now that what I did was to Rosemary and Lino and not to things and not pigs. God, I'm so sorry. I just want to get out of here so I can make something good with my life. Well, I had Patty right on the walls in the refrigerator with their blood. The girls got something to eat from the refrigerator. I took a shower, and then we just hitchhiked back to the ranch. They're willing to be in jail. They know that they're in jail for everybody. And maybe we'll all have to go to jail before we can get them out. Maybe we'll have to go up to the jail and say, hi, take me. They know they're facing the gas chamber, and they don't care. That's what people don't understand. They don't care. And they're willing to die for all young people to be free. Snitches will be taken care of. Charlie said Charlie said they had to kill Shorty. He had to have Clem chop his head off. I heard that Shorty wouldn't die unless they chopped his head off. Charlie said he knew too much. He actually punched her out. <laughs> Shorty? Charlie. So we cut him into ribbons. Shorty? Right. First we dosed him. And then we hopped at him. <laughs> stuck his needle through his fingernails. And in his eyes. Through his nipples. And cock. <laughs> it's not nice to snitch, Shorty. He pissed himself. Pissing blood. <laughs> then we drug him through the mud. He was screaming for his life. And Charlie <laughs> And we stabbed him like Caesar. And we, the whole family. <laughs> just wouldn't die. We just kept stabbing and stabbing, stabbing. and stabbing. Stabbing and stabbing and stabbing and stabbing. So Clem cut his head off. (laughs) We cut him into nine pieces and buried him in nine places. His legs are buried right under (laughs) you. It's not nice to snitch. 
Now, the girls made up that story about us chopping him up into nine pieces. Even the prosecutor put that in his book. But when Clem led the police out to the ranch, they found the skeleton intact, of course. It's ready. The revolution is ready. And as soon as Charlie gets out, it's on. The revolution is on. And if you try to hurt Charlie, you'll all die. He is God. Perfect. As perfection is. Because it's exactly the same thing. I had a brother once who was shot and killed like that for nothing in the war. I mean, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Every single day, love is being killed. We're all in this together. You gotta stab. As long as Charlie is locked away in his asylum prison grave, you can say anything you want about him. You can make more bogus books and movies about his life. You can joke about him. You can pretend to be him. You can say and do anything you want. The truth is, you don't have the soul to face him. You're a lot of vultures. You are. I am a mechanical You live off the sacrifice of the young people. You're bloodsuckers. You are. Your little phallic symbols, you know? We're waiting for our father to be set free. He's a genius. You don't realize. Leslie's lawyer, Ronald, the press called him Leslie's hippie lawyer. And we all thought he was pretty cool. But he was just like the others. He was the first of the retaliation murders. We are all facing the gas chamber. Hey, hey man, what do you think would happen if one night 75 heads were cut off? Excuse me. You have just judged yourself! You better lock your doors and watch your own kids! Your whole system's a game, you blind, stupid people! Your children will turn against you! Death, that's what you're all gonna get! Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> that's what you're all gonna get! Oof. Alright, so the story of how Shorty died is horrific, yet the description fits with what we have already seen in the film, and we're left without investigation and unsolved. They even talk about how Clem led them out to where the body was because he was involved in it. It kind of leaves you with the idea that there were plenty of other deaths and things that occurred all over the ranch and then even more in the desert of people that were disappearing and you just have no idea what the actual tally may be. Yeah. Now the sensationalism of the Manson trials and Manson himself continues and does increase in fervor in the 90s even more so. And that's where we lead to the cult in 1996 when we see them breaking into the newsroom to kill the latest reporter doing another story on Manson on the anniversary of the original killings. They break in, shoot the man in the fucking head, and then the meth head guy that we were talking about that was wrapping up the fucking kitchen knives with yep. tape stabs the ever-loving shit out of his chest and abdomen when I'm pretty sure he's already dead after yeah. that blast of the head. Yeah, But I they mean, need to mutilate the body because they're trying to emulate Charlie's shit. Yeah. This dissolves into that cult buying drugs from a rockabilly guy in a Charlie Don't Surf t-shirt, which is extremely popular in the late 80s and early 90s. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those before. Yeah. They were around. I remember you could order one out of the fucking back of a Thrasher magazine when I was a kid. <laughs> As they brutally murder him, they shoot him in the head and then one of the guys starts getting his fucking head smashed in against the curbed pavement Jesus. after he gets shot. The other yeah. guy gets runs away and gets shot a couple of times and then stabbed all to fuck. Oof. This shows yet another killing spree has begun, fueled by drugs and in a charismatic leader following the example of Charlie and it never fucking ends with this shit. The film intercuts this with shots of Charlie and then the film burns breaking and leaving us with a bright white screen and a fucking loud annoying hum sound as it then fades out and then the credits roll backwards we hear another speech from jim jones that is his final speech that he directs the mass murder of his followers establishing that this is an ongoing and never-ending tragedy in our world holy fuck that's the end 
Okay, so the final thoughts on this. I feel like the 96 cult, in the film anyway, this is my interpretation of it, they're some of the kids that are left over and that are still around. Yeah. That's my That were maybe raised by people who weren't arrested. Right. It still were followers of Charlie. The other thing that might be even more disturbing about this, I don't know if you recall this or not, but in the 90s, like in the late 80s and the early 90s, there was sort of a resurgence of obsession with serial killers. It was like all over the place. Yeah. There was like a ton of movies like you had like uh, Natural Born Killers Natural Born Killers was one of them but there was like a fervor building up to that even before Natural Born Killers came out yeah like I think it had a lot to do with Dahmer got busted and people got renewed in their interest of serial killers there was another guy before Dahmer that wasn't as big that got busted as well around that time frame yeah and then serial killers and mass murders became like this new thing and it became like this thing that and especially like the underground music community a lot of people were building I mean this is where Marilyn Manson gets a start is in the 90s around this time yeah there were other bands that were like themed around serial killers and mass murderers like Macabre was starting to have a pretty big rise they're a, they're the murder metal band mm-hmm. and people really started getting interested in this kind of stuff and really kind of obsessed with it and you kind of got the feeling in the 90s too because things were starting to get pretty grim and it was kind of like a repeat of what was going on in the 60s where you had this moment of like prosperity and everything seemed like everybody was happy but there was this underbelly of darkness and people were pissed still at what was going on in the late 90s well and what was coming around we just had gotten done experiencing the LA riots published live on TV for all yeah, the world to see. That was a huge thing that happened too. There was racial tensions out the fucking ass like crazy oh, in the 90s in this time frame too. OJ Simpson. Yeah. Uh, getting the the, the Bronco over. chase. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, and then you add in the Oklahoma City bombing, which that happened another, in that yeah. time period, had such a vehement, vehement distrust of their government that it's they It's also would, the decade that going postal yes, was, was coined. Because the postal workers. Because there was a lot of postal workers that were doing the same thing yes, like mass shootings and, and stuff like that and all of this and that same kind of fervor and madness and that people yeah. without a direction looking for something was coming to a head at this point and I mean it just got to that point where you in felt the late like 90s, something like this could happen again the late 90s kind of snapped it well and the other thing that we have to take into mind too mental health and the lack of mental health or the mental health issues were still very stigmatized in the country at that time very badly it's only just now starting to get to the point where if you have mental health issues, you're not stigmatized as some kind of a Lee. I still you're think you're just someone that needs some help. I still think people get stigmatized. That's why we still have an issue to this day. But it's, it's getting better. Can but, you, rem- you remember how yeah. bad it was in the 90s where, oh, yeah. where everybody automatically assumed what that a if, psycho. Yeah, if you had any kind of mental health then, issue then, at all, you were automatically something was wrong with you and you were going to go crazy and, and kill get, everybody. And get away from us. Yes. So going through all these years, they all gravitate and they always put up something that's going to make you just mindlessly say, yes, this is the guy who's going to just, I don't have to worry about anything anymore. He's going to worry about everything for me. Isn't that what everybody's looking for, regardless of whether they're looking for a leader or a god or anything else? They're just looking for someone to wash away their consequence and basically make them not feel guilty for the shitty choices they make in their life and to direct them to do other choices that should be better but often isn't. I think for some, yes. I hope I'm not that. I think everybody's guilty of that. I know at some point in times in my life, I've been guilty of just looking for a way to take the blame off of whatever happened in my life on me and put it to somebody else to where it's like, well, I followed this decision and this this person and it was a bad choice. Like, everybody's looking for a leader of some sort. Everyone, yeah, I guess. You're right. No, yeah, I can definitely see that because... At, whether you want to admit it to yourself or yeah. not, you kind of are. You 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 always are looking for somebody. And how weird is it to think that you might be that somebody for someone else? It's fucking terrifying. Isn't that? Fucking- I don't... I, it, to quote the fucking stiff little fingers, I don't want to be nobody's hero. Yeah, yeah. That's 
that's I know that's a double negative, and therefore I do. So I put it that way. I'm I don't want to be. I, uh, Those you, are the people that should be leading. Is the person who doesn't want to be. Yeah, leading. the people. I always have said that. If you say you don't want to be a leader, then you should be a leader because you're going to probably be the last person to abuse it. All right. To bring it back fully into the film. Yeah. This film is so effective for me that I completely etch a sketch any part of it that I may have a complaint about. There's definitely pieces of the film where it's like the dramatized versions of what's happening on the ranch. Yeah. That are definitely weak. There's some weak acting in there. Pretty much everything revolving around Shorty. Yeah. There's a lot of bad acting, particularly coming from Shorty. Uh This film took 15 years to make. That's unbelievable. 15 years. That's unbelievable. What happened was he started making the film with only a portion of the funds secured. Okay. And then what ended up happening was he would run out of money, he would live his life, find a way to raise funds, including selling ridiculous amounts of plasma that would pretty much almost kill a normal person. How do these people look like so much close to like the same age throughout all this filming? Because he would shoot good portions of this film and then he would be cutting around it and then some of the interview sequences where they're older and then older and then older still. He did that over the course of 15 years and they would age them more or de-age them in other directions. But a good portion of it, like I think most of the narrative as far as the actual background story narrative that would be like a straight narrative tale of this is what happened, I think that was already shot. Yeah. And I think the other funds were set to try and frame that because what he had was basically a short film about the Manson family. Uh-huh. And then they reshot some other things or they would add stuff to it from there. But it took 15 years for this film to be produced. That That's amazing. That single-minded vision that kept that going and the stubbornness of Jim Van Beber to make this film and then to have it turn out to be as effective as it actually is Yeah. after 15 years of running out of money and then begging, borrowing, and stealing and trying to coax people back into it to get it finished is just incredible. No, exactly. I mean, look, it got us going on a whole fucking tangent about life and what happened and all that shit. Well, let's be fair. It doesn't take very much for us to get on a fucking rant about that kind of stuff. I was trying to be complimentary to the movie. Can you just (laughs) fucking go along with it? But this one has sparked a lot of anxiety and fear about what is wrong with society as a whole that allows people like Manson to grab a a congregation and get them to do the things that they do. And it didn't stop there. That was just the first one that we were aware of as a country in America. There are just sick people who are looking for anyone to be kind to them. And then they... I don't think you have to be sick. I think people are just looking for someone to be kind to them. There's people who are just looking for a place to belong. They're looking for someone to just care about them and just acknowledge that they are a human being with feelings. And the first person that does that when they're a young and impressionable age can control them for the rest of their lives and they end up married to them. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Court. You all right? Yeah, I just came to a realization. Yeah, you doing all right? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I came to that realization years ago. (laughs) (laughs) In all seriousness, I mean, that's the thing is people will take advantage of the vulnerability that another person has at the right point in time. And someone like Manson, who can look at that vulnerability, immediately size it up and then turn it to their advantage. It's horrifying. And these people existed from time immemorial. And I like the idea that this film posits that this happened once, this will happen again. And whether or not these are supposed to be the children of the followers, which in some places I like to play that in my mind as a thought experiment that the kids are out there and they're going to keep doing this. Yeah. But they're smarter about it and they keep it more low key. Yeah. I kind of like that though. That's too. fucking horrifying. Yeah. But at the same time, it might be just another cluster of fucks yeah, that are even, on drugs. It's even terrifying to think it's just some randoms doing some random violence. Because they're triggered from some stuff that Jim Jones and Manson and all the other people said and they're buying into that and they're moving on to their own weird drug-fueled ideas and yeah. going out and murdering and going on another spree. Or even worse, to even take Jim Jones or Manson to influence 
against them. They've never heard of them. They're just fucked up and wanting to do these things. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's, yeah. that's terrifying that, that yeah. the human condition, man, it's just yeah. fucking horrifying. We are really terrible beings. <laughs> and the quicker the aliens could come down here and either A, wipe us out or enslave us, the better we're off we're going to be. All right. We're going to take another break here. We're going to play a promo for a podcast that really wishes it didn't have to follow that fucking down note. <laughs> going to have a little bit more music from Manson. And when we come back, we will do the fucking side hey, news. Feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails You. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Always is always shoved it in the back. They put it in the back. All the love in the back. Get in the back. All the love get in the back, boy. And they call it your subconscious. Remember Freud? Too much thing. Old ego is a too much thing. You make you fool yourself. You'll think you're somebody else. The guy thou holds the trouble you bring. It makes you wanna jump on a band fight. And you can't stand that to be right. It'll make you lie, make you cheat just so you won't be beat. Uh, yeah. You remember when uh, Bobby? All terrible. Remember when Bobby was talking about how he was a brilliant lyricist? Yeah. <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if that's the drugs. That was the drugs. <laughs> that <laughs> fucking sucks. You just hate folk music that much, or you just hate serial killers' folk music? Both. <laughs> There's only one way you're gonna make this stop, Matt. Wow. Give me some psyop news. It's 
from our friend Vanessa. Yay, Vanessa! Cousins arrested after refusing to stop having sex during funeral ceremony. It always comes back to dick. Mm-hmm. And inbreeding. Yay! <laughs> well, okay. Well, first of all, there's a picture to this. So if you guys find the article on the site, I've you can already check seen it. it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, look at it. it. No, I don't. You look to. at it. They look like a couple of cousin fuckers. Uh, right? Uh, anyway, this is uh, Talladega, Alabama. An Alabama <laughs> cup. Of course. Because <laughs> when I think cousin fucking, I think Alabama. Roll Tide. Uh, <laughs> an Alabama couple has been arrested after refusing to stop having sexual intercourse during their grandmother's funeral this ceremony. This is like traces of death fucked a porno. Yes. Tiffany, I'm advocating corpse fucking here. I know. Tiff- bang a girl with a corpse hand. <laughs> Tiffany Bates, 31. Corpse fucking. Cl- Clifton Bridges, at least they'll have the same last name, 19, who are in fact <laughs> close relatives were reprehended by Talladega County Police after employees of the Talladega Funeral Home complained that the couple was having loud sex, (laughs) protruding funeral services, as well as scarring the guests. Vagina smells like dead body. It's one of the things he screamed out. Yeah. America is a bunch of cunts. We really are. I'm telling you right now. All kinds of things you don't want on your dicks. (laughs) Tiffany Bates and Clifton Bridges, who were both attending the funeral ceremony of their grandmother with other family members, decided to skip a away from the funeral ceremony and indulge in sexual activities Corpse only fucking. meters away. Corpse fucking. We alerted Talladega police after several unsuccessful attempts to stop them from having sex on the property Come of the funeral home, home. Explained Talladega funeral home employee Jane Andrews. I have the most confused direction right now. Apparently Tiffany Bridges and Clifton Bridges are first cousins. Oh. What? Oh, that is so very, that is so very Game of Thrones. It's also so very legal in Alabama and several other states. Yeah, it's still not right. Necrophilia can be overlooked. Is this something that happened a lot in Pennsylvania? What, in the mountains? Yeah. Uh, what happens in the mountains stays in the mountains. <laughs> right? All I'm saying is if your cousin's hot, you should be able to get away with it. <laughs> what movie was that from? If your cousin's hot. It's not from a movie. It's a David Tell routine. Yes, that's right. It's a yeah. David Tell routine. That's right. I also think if cousin's hot, you should be able to fuck one time. Yeah. yeah. Just knock it out. Don't talk about it. Don't fucking tell anybody about it. Just one time. Oh, God. I remember. Now I really hope that none of my cousins listen yeah. to this. <laughs> fucking, I remember listening to that album. When he said that, it was so fucking out of the blue. I was driving. I almost crashed the fucking car. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? He was really good at those non sequitur, just throw that line in <laughs> just there. Just throw that line in there. You're just like, yeah. Jesus. Just like they're. If you want a fear boner. Yeah, right. Uh, they've been living together as a couple for the past six months, according to family members. Uh, the couple faces 26 charges for lewd and levacious behavior. You can't disturb the peace. Well, obscenity in public place and drug possession. You can't pay However, a bill? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. This court was saying there is no law against first cousins having consensual uh, sexual relationships in Alabama, so no charges will be pressed on that account, said Talladega County Deputy <laughs> Sheriff Adam Watts. So Alabama's motto is, come for the cousin fucking, stay for the criminal charges of doing it at a funeral. Yes. <laughs> Somehow that's a clip. <laughs> All kinds of things you don't want on your dick. If you want a fear boner, right? I have the most confused direction right now. Well, I do. So do you ever have a cousin that was hot enough that you would consider it? No, no. And that's like fast. No. <laughs> it's a hard pass. There's no way I could ever consider. I don't care if Cindy Crawford was my first cousin. I'm not considering it. Wow, Cindy Crawford. We're talking the I, 90s. I just, that's I, perfect I, for I just, the 90s. I just don't know why. that would. I don't care if Cindy Crawford covered in Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> blaring salt and pepper is my cousin. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> covered in crystal Pepsi 
Oh, God. And, the Crystal uh, Pepsi part would be the most enticing uh, bit of that. I don't care if it's Cindy Crawford downing, what was that, uh, fucking... Uh, Zima? No, Z, yeah, there you go, with a bottle of Zima. That and, uh, and just had a Bukkake What was that, uh, what was that, a whole ton of caffeine? Jolt, Jolt, Jolt Cola. Yeah, it was, <laughs> Jolt, Jolt was my Jolt. fucking jam. In was that your kid. jam? Oh, my God, I love Jolt Was Cola. that the shit? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Old cops are bumbling dummies. Mm, thank you for that. It's going <laughs> to cost you some serious cock if you want a fear boner. I have the most confused direction right now. <laughs> so while you're reading that story, what's going on, Matt? Pulling it just to pull it. Can't yeah. pay a bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. Well, yeah, one of them might have to give that one to you. <laughs> oh. oh, man. So they're at a funeral. They're fucking yeah. cousins. And they're, they're grandmother's funeral. Yeah. And then they just, they're sitting there and they're like, well. Shoot some fucking ropes. Yeah, that's what he said to her. Let's go, <laughs> let's go shoot some fucking ropes. <laughs> Don't threaten to cut off my cock for $60. <laughs> Oh, geez. I'm just trying to cheer us up just a little bit before we close out the show, but it's just not going to work. You no. had to pick the cousin fucking article. Well, I thought that would be the best one to kind of get us through this. Yeah, but now I'm just like, you know, depressed. Why are you depressed? Because your old cousin didn't fuck you at a funeral? No, because I didn't grow up in Alabama where it would have been legal. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm just, I'm just fucking bummed out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a bummer of a fucking movie. Old uh, cops yeah. are bumbling dummies. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to not end it. I yeah. just, I don't. Uh. Guys, let's go lick some assholes. Dude, you've got to end this, all right? We're not going to get out of our bummed out moods. I just, I can't remember how to end the episode, Matt. I don't really? know what happened. You don't know what happened? I, I, what happens next? Um, Typically, do, now we do some show cleanup. We do some house cleanup. Uh, yeah, there's housekeeping. That's housekeeping, involved. yeah. You, you, what you, happens you, before that? Uh, oh, you play another song. But before that? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to have to take over the hosting the show. You're going to have to start doing hosting segments you need to actually get your shit together matt okay well usually after the news then we we play a song yeah but don't we play something before the song oh yes uh an ad for somebody who really wishes they weren't following cousin fucking <laughs> yes so we're gonna play a promo from <laughs> vanessa's podcast ah, because she, she gave posted us the, the fucking, article yeah, yeah. absolutely that's so, on you so whether or not she's following the cousin fucking is kind of her fault yeah yeah right and no one needs to follow cousin and, fucking and listen after cousin fucking you definitely have to go to the vd clinic ah <laughs> We're going to play some more of Charles Manson's very motivating music to learn how to play instruments, I suppose. What? And then we will close out this fucking weird-ass show. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash vdclinicpod or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Why are the children doing what they're doing? Why does a child reach up and kill his mom and dad and murder his two little sisters and then uh, cut his...
kind of pulled a fast one there. I said some yeah. more of Manson's music. It's actually Marilyn Manson taking some lyrics from a Charles Manson song and then incorporating it there at the beginning of My Monkey for that song. So that's what's going on there. I kind of pulled a fast one on you there because I yeah. also cannot tolerate any more of Charles Manson's music. Thank right now you. I, you know, for a musician, he was one hell of a cult leader. <laughs> And if you would like to support our little show that is trying to become its own little cult with me as the leader, you can go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash cinema dash psyops. You can also find our main landing and or launching page for our home network of Legion podcasts. Although after they hear this episode, we may be booted off. Yeah, this one might do it. It hasn't happened before. I doubt it's going to be. I don't think so. This is. Yeah, this ain't nowhere near the worst. We've had we've done way worse things than this. Yeah, but we've definitely not talked about subjects quite this dark since probably the found. Christmas episode that we did. Probably. And that's all Chris Mounts' fault. Yes. <laughs> fucking Chris. Our main landing and launching page is legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. We have a Facebook group, Cinema Psyops, where you can post memes, alternative photography, all sorts of crazy fun shit. Basically, the main rule is don't be a dick, don't do hate speech, and fucking make us laugh when you post shit. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's all, all we need. It's not a lot of rules. It ain't that hard. And also, tell me how wonderful I am, because I don't get that enough, and I'm your cult leader, goddammit, I need to know how wonderful I am. Kurt, you're pretty wonderful. Oh, thanks, man. I, I mean, you're not that. my cult leader or anything. I just think you're pretty wonderful. You keep telling yourself that I'm not your cult leader. That's okay. Dude, I ain't drinking any Kool-Aid you put in front of me. It's flavor-aid. Be All right, well, I'm, I'm not doing that either. You can find me on Facebook, Court Psyops. My current picture that you will find on Facebook is the neon sign United States of America, and only the S, O, and S are lit and lit up right now. <laughs> you can find Matt Psyop on Facebook, where he is currently still the board with just the face on it that says brutal it's the little jaundice plank although i've heard our buddy chris mounts has found a real photo of you way way back in the day yeah i heard that so you're talking shit about him and he could dox your ass at any moment i know but i also saw that he was like that nah, with a, just like gene simmons without makeup yeah so the board stays hashtag don't dox me bro <laughs> yeah hashtag don't dox me bro you can email feedback to matt psyopmatt at gmail.com and if you're chris you can say all right you talk shit maybe i will dox you bro <laughs> <laughs> and that will respond with simply hashtag don't dox me, I mean, me, I bro. didn't really talk a whole lot of shit. Uh, it's too late now. You fucking pissed him off. You can email... <laughs> you know that. Because I'm the cult leader and I say so. <laughs> you can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know the FBI is now on the fucking trail because he keeps talking about how he leads a cult. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm just saying, I think DCs get, like, flagged by the NSA. You can Although, f- we just just get done with the government shutdown, so who knows? They're not listening. You can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the Twatter, where it's a hate-filled, shit-filled platform of disgust. Yes. I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. My fucking Twitter feed is starting to get about as fucking blank and just empty oh, as really? our Teespring store. Nice. <laughs> There's just digital fucking tumbleweeds Jesus. rolling all over the place. The only reason I haven't dropped it yet is because I keep in touch with Chris from Ancient Slumber on there, as well as our boy Glor Blimey from oh, Trilogy yeah. of Terror. They're literally the two things. That, well, that and following AOC. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that lady. Uh-huh. Who is that? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, her, yeah. Her Twitter handle, yeah, yeah. Twitter handle is AOC. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love her. Yeah. I love when she just fucking sticks it to fucking assholes. Yes. I love it when she does that as well. Oh, that is great. And while you're out there, you're on your own, folks, sticking it to people's assholes, preferably <laughs> not your cousin, well, <laughs> unless you're in Alabama and they're willing. But just don't do it consenting. during a funeral. And definitely don't do it during a funeral. But whatever you're doing out there, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. And we're off. I had a little monkey.
Go in and 